Welcome to the Ether. Today is Sunday, August 14th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part two of the two part Cosmos Potluck Open Mic, hosted by Cosmos Haas. Let's take a listen. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, to pop in and uh, ask really just two questions. I'm a long term Cosmos fan and been uh, listening in on these little Sunday potlucks for, for some time now. Um, appreciate you putting that together, by the way. But Really was just curious. I know you mentioned Juno um, a little bit previously. I was just curious what your take or anyone's take was on on them providing or looking to to provide interchain security um, soon. I hadn't really gone in depth to to understand when the timing was, but it seems like it it might be before the the you know Adam or Cosmos date. So I was just curious, Watson. Um, and then the second question, really back about the privacy thing um, regarding StealthX. But uh, yeah, I can, I can, I guess, let us chat about Juno for a second and then maybe go there if you're curious. Yeah, I can let Michael probably take us. But basically, like, I view Juno as, like, the testing grounds for, like, Cosmos, in my opinion. It's like, almost like you can deploy things because it's, it's completely permissionless. And I, I like that Juno, it's almost, I don't want to say front-running, but in my opinion, it seems like they're doing things first, which is cool. Cause like if something happens with it, they can just halt the chain and then kind of, it's almost like they're taking one for the team. And that's why one of the reasons I really like Juno is that uh, it's completely permissionless. So like the, the innovations there, you know, like I love osmosis, but they have frontier and osmosis, like the main app. And like the main one is permission because they want it to be, they they're trying to mitigate any sort of, type of scams or, or vulnerabilities because of the, their vision is is more to be like a centralized exchange but be a decentralized exchange they want to have all the same features and functionality but they also don't want like bullshit on there too and then frontier is like the permissionless one it's like the wild wild west that's why if you ever use frontier like their their uh, logos like a like a wild wild west um so it's kind of more like the permissionless side of it so uh yeah i mean the thing with interchain is like you know i think all the all the major chains are going to have it it's not just like going to be cosmos but or adam excuse me but uh, michael you have anything to add to that i you know i'm i'm like a huge contrarian about this right like i'm like you know extremely off the party line on this i don't interchain security is a great idea i think you know as someone building an app chain um, I'm not interested in buying security from some other chain. Like I saw what happened to Terra when the Terra validators didn't want to follow the rules of the chain anymore. They just like turned off IBC because they felt like it because it was like bad for them to leave IBC on. Right. Um, so I don't really want to like get security from a validator set that I don't like that isn't like super, super into my project. 
Um, I also don't need to pay for a validator set to like validate me. I certainly pay in like Atom, right? I don't want like my pro my projects like token going down, meaning that I can't afford fees on my own chain anymore. If I were a validator of Cosmos Hub, I wouldn't want to have to run like other people's chain code like on my machines to like st stay in good standing as a validator on the hub. Like I find the whole idea to just like not make a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, uh, that said, I think that like Juno, yeah, Juno's exciting. They're like ambitious. They, you know, they do risky stuff. I think they've, they've shown that they're like, they're extremely engaged, right? They're, their turnout rates on their votes are like super, super high. So, you know, and that, I think if you're looking for a chain to buy security from, maybe, maybe that's interesting, right? Here's this, here's this validator set. That's like really a bunch of people who are like, you know, committed to the chain, like a bunch of like builder types. Right. And so it's interesting that you can sort of say, well, my, I want a validator community that really looks like this other chain's validator community because you know, it makes sense, or maybe our projects are like linked together. Maybe there's like a lot of IBC traffic between them, and so actually, it makes a lot of sense for the validators to be the same validator set. Um, so, you know, there's 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 a lot of implications there. I don't think that which chain does it first matters very much. I think that the kinds of chains that will want to use it from the Juno validator set and the kinds of chains that will want to do it from the Hub validator set are pretty different anyway. Um, yeah, that's that's my that's my you know mini rant. That's like the 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 executive summary of my like three hour rant about interchange. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I know when I was down in Florida, I had some people that were kind of like Cosmos OGs, like Adam holders for years, you know, and uh, they would ask me like, "I what do you think about it?" And as like a value proposition, because the one guy he was. Um, you know, he was confused. He's like, I just don't see how everyone's so like adamant that that's going to make the price go up. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to lie to you. I don't know either. Um, and as, as a pure atom holder, like it's, it's like all these other chains can do it too, if they want to. So it's not like, Hey, the only one that can do it is Adam, you know? So, but yeah, I get what you're, what you mean. It's not, that's what I love about Cosmos, though. It, it's it doesn't matter. Like your chain can just say no, we don't want to do that. And 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 like you're saying about in general, I don't like the whole fee thing. Uh, that's why we had someone earlier talking about DOT. Like I just don't like the fact that you have to run stuff by someone or have a like a landlord, right? Like I don't want a landlord. I just want to be able to buy a piece of property and do what the hell I want to do with a piece of property. It's kind of like how I view crypto. Um, I get it from like a perspective of if you're running a business, I mean, you want people to want to have to have your particular token, right? Like it just makes sense. You want the fees to be on that particular token. Uh, but it's kind of in a way for for Cosmos, it's I, maybe in the future it'll be more sustainable because there's going to be, my opinion, thousands of of chains and stuff like that. So maybe people don't want to have their own validator set that's they want to they just want to already have like kind of like a trusted validator set to do whatever they want to do i don't I, i'm just trying to look at it in the long run i'm more i'm more um and, and, and ha happy about interchain accounts and like interchain queries like i think that's the that so cool 
So that stuff is so cool. Anarchy and accounts, IBC queries, the groups module. Like we we went through so much pain in the last couple of months to upgrade to SDK forty six because of like those features. You know, the ability to, to have like a developer account on the pylons chain that like is actually controlled from Juno and is a DAO on Juno and you can like vote on what game you want to build or whatever, right? Like so like there's a there's so much cool stuff coming down the pike that I'm really excited about. Um but yeah, I just you know um entertain security is not one of those things for me. Yeah, and I know I'm not just trying to side with you. I never was like, oh yeah, I I, I when people were saying that the whole time, because there was a long time where like value wise like osmo was like really significantly outperforming adam and stuff like that and everyone you know was saying oh well this is going to bring value i mean i guess in that sense but i never seen it as like a really big thing now interchain accounts and queries and all that that gets me excited like that's why yeah i i I, I just don't like that like there's so there's, there's a really bad sense in to me, it smells bad. When someone's like, why are you building this feature, right? And your answer is, oh, it's going to bring value to the token. That's that's not a good answer, right? Like, that's that's not, a, like, you are imagining, you're, you're imagining a market for this thing. You're like, okay, I want to make money. Like, what can I get people to pay me for, right? What do I have? I have a, I have a validator set. Okay, how can I sell it, right? Like, that's not the kind of, like, technical vision that you see in stuff's like, in stuff like AuthZ just like super super cool so i don't i don't know that i'm gonna stop talking about because i'm i make enemies every time i talk about this (laughs) i i know it's not a it's not a uh i don't know if it's the best thing you talk about with overall cosmos because you know people get they do get upset when you talk about stuff that could not maybe help the atom token valuation i guess i mean i own a bunch of atoms so okay i'm i say from a perspective of just like my honest opinion and my thoughts like i don't get excited about i get super super stoked about interchain accounts and queries and all that like i get so fucking pumped that's why i do this like that's the only thing right now that i'm like dude this is going to be so cool like like you were just saying uh it just brings everything like it just makes it mainstream in my opinion and it it just separates what we're doing compared to what other ecosystem out there are doing like the fact that you could be on this other sovereign freaking world over here and be able to deploy like interact with this other thing over here for a certain contract and vice versa is just like so fascinating to me i can't wait for it like i'm so excited for it and it's gonna be be so 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 epic like people have no clue like they're outside of the space like that's gonna do it's like it's the future it's like really it's the future and even like a, as an oracle standpoint i always like think to myself well what's the like there's all these all these different oracles out there and i i look at it sometimes like what is the even the point like i feel like with interchain queries like what we don't even really in my opinion it seems like we don't even really need oracles I could be wrong, but no, I, you're not. Look, I mean, we did this thing, right? Like the the way that pylons interact with with apps with the app stores on on mobile, right? Doesn't involve oracles. You like take a proof store and you submit it to the chain. The chain's like, oh, I know how to evaluate this. So it's kind of like mini IBC, right? Like it's these like attestations across IBC that you were just like, okay, well, I, you know. The chain itself is saying this thing. I'm going to go with it because they get to talk about their own assets. I, I think oracles have been like a kind of a dead end. Yeah, I think so too. You know, I just like I, I it was to me it was a thing that was was needed. 
but <laughs> you know, like anything, so, sometimes there's a technology that was really needed at a certain point in time, but just it's not needed anymore. You can just look at it, a lot of different technologies over time. Might have been something that was needed, like a pat. I look at it kind of like patchwork and queries or interchain queries. I, I mean, I've had Quicksilver on the on the show a couple times, and I know other Cosmos space guys have had shows with them and talked to Vish and. You know, kind of shared that same vision, and uh, you know, I just, I'm just so excited. Like, I, I, I can't wait for like a year from now. I think all this is going to happen within a year, and it's going to be so cool because it's like, it's really like really what crypto. Is. People talk about Web three. Well, this is going to be Web three. You're going to be able to do so much cool shit in crypto that you can never do. Like, what you can't do right now with anything, and like, I, I get excited for like Dow Dow and and um you know stuff like that too like like it's to me is like what's gonna happen with like people out there if you don't know it's decentralized autonomous organization like it's kind of like a cute fancy word right now people are like oh we're creating this DAO, but like this is gonna be a DAO, like like a freaking hall of fame DAO. like if you like sports it's literally it's gonna be so nuts the the different amount of things that you're gonna be able to do and um, it's going to be amazing. So it just makes me more excited and wanting to do more in this space because I think that people are just going to be like, holy shit, like this is what you can do now with crypto. This is next level. And then it's going to bring, <laughs> I, in my opinion, it's going to bring over every, like mainly, mainly everyone, especially if they actually want to do things in crypto. It's like you're just going to be in Cosmos after that. So, but uh, Plumis, what, what was your second part you wanted to ask? Oh yeah, um, I was just gonna say I totally agree with you guys. I uh, yeah, I appreciate the commentary. I I'm coming from a perspective of a a builder trying to to set up and and uh, on Cosmos and um, so yeah, it's it's I think I think really exciting with the interchain, not only security but the the accounts um, and queries as well because you know the the cost to to set up or you know the social cost to get a whole validator set going yourself can be really tricky. So you know being able to to work with Adam or Juno or other networks as well to, to do that. Their validator sets is, is really exciting. But uh, I was just curious if you knew, I know you talked about Stealth X, which, um, you know, is a, a service of a product you, you talked about a few weeks ago. But I was just curious if you knew of any privacy focus besides Secret Network, of course, um, in the Cosmos Network, maybe that, that works with Atomic Swaps or or things like that. Just given the, the recent events with Tornado Cash and the abilities of IBC. So, I mean, like, outside swaps, like, if you just want to have, like, a private, you know, like, private swaps, like, I, I well, just in general, for me, for usability, that's why I've used Simple Swap and, and, and uh, before, because it just makes, in my opinion, I'm not sponsored by either, I'm not financial advice, but I don't want to have to, like, right, I don't want to have to go on osmosis and then send over swap over to adam and then send and send adam to like kucoin and or whatever and then swap and then sell it to usdt and then go to usdt and buy this and then send that well like that's just it's too much time i don't have time for that shit so like you know i'll just i'll just send over adam to this wallet address and then i just know i'm getting whatever i'm getting to this other whatever asset on ibc so i just think it's just a as a as a customer service point of view like that's what i just prefer people are like oh send it over to this and then do like no i don't want to do that shit like i just want to 
take a, take literally 30 seconds um, and send Adam to, to StealthX, whatever address they tell me, and then they just send me whatever other random token that I want to whatever wallet address I want. Like, that's, it takes no time. It's literally, I do it, and then that's it. And, it, and pretty soon, it's shortly after, it just goes to that wallet address. You know, like, I like Kadena, and um, I, I've been just randomly grabbing that up sometimes. Like, you, there's nothing I can really swap just to get easy. So, so add them to it and no semi KDA to the wallet I want. It, it takes 10 seconds. It's it's really convenient as that standpoint. And that's not even like a, I mean, I guess in theory it's a little bit private too, but I just do it because it's just easy. I don't want to do all these other steps and then do all this other shit. And then sometimes these centralized exchanges, they won't even let you withdraw it. You know, when the market's kind of moving around up and down and stuff, and there's a lot of like, volatility or just action you know they they do the iau bullshit like i don't want to deal with that you know hey well you can't withdraw this because there's wallet maintenance upgrades like yeah you're full of shit there you know upgrades you're just you don't have the tokens right now you're just being shady so like that's why i use these other like intermediaries and don't get me wrong like i'm not outside of cosmos too often but when i do i just use those services because it's i have them to be honest with you i have both of them up at the same time and sometimes you'll get a better spread on like stealth or, or simple. Like it all depends. So like, I'm obviously going to go with whatever the better spread is. And I, and I'll do the math too sometimes. And they're not really taking much. You definitely probably, if not the same amount, but that work, even if I have a little bit more and it's not much more, maybe, maybe a few more cents or 50 cents or something that I might've earned by doing it, all that manual work. I just look at it as a convenience fee. Like I don't want to want to do all that bullshit to do all these moves to, you know, do all that stuff. Like there's those other ones. Like what's up? I've actually not found a good way to trade Adam. Where did you say you can do that? So like I do either on stealth X, so stealth X.io or simple swap.io. And what it is, it's like what it's old school. Like it's like back in the day before like DEXs were involved. You just, you just send it to whatever the address is. And then they just send it to whatever address you want. They just do the work for oh, you. So it's like a centralized exchange, but it's a centralized exchange with instant withdrawal. Yeah, and 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 it is and in theory, it's like decentralized because, like, it's always a different wallet address. Like every time I send Adam to freaking like Simple Swap, it's always a different. And you can go on Midscan and type that wallet address in, and it's always fresh, like no action in it ever. It's crazy. But I, I do that because it's just convenient. Like, and I used to try to do KDA because KDA would be on like, I think it was on KuCoin or whatever. And one time I wanted to do it and it would not let me withdraw. It was doing the bullshit. Oh, we're doing wallet upgrades or whatever. You know, whatever they claim, the, the lie that they use. Um, all these centralized exchanges use it. But I was like, nah, I'm not doing it anymore. And then, you know, I just do that. And it's fast too. Hell, I mean, I I do it so, like I use it so often sometimes that I will because what it'll, it'll give you like a transaction ID I'll say you know ETA on and I'll copy and paste it throw it in there and then and I'll even send them the mint scan transaction and they'll be like they usually do this typical like five to sixty minutes transaction time and as soon as I send it over to them every single time I I get the transaction right away like I won't do it right away like real obnoxiously but if it's like three or four minutes five five minutes. I'll send it over, say, hey, ETA on that. And like, they'll be like, oh, we're, well, and then it's like right away, I could just see it down to my wallet address. And then I just do whatever with it after that. 
So that's what I always use. All right. Okay. I guess like that's why I, I don't know. It's just like because there's like someone in there who just like you know they like have their trust right like their business yeah. is worth their business is worth more than stealing your one transaction. Yeah, I mean, I, I've done some pretty decent transactions with them, and like, you know, I've never, ne- never once has it not worked. And it's been like all kind of different, uh, different like transactions with different tokens. And they, they have like, I don't know, like four hundred different assets that you can get. And like Adam, pretty much is a tradable, tradable one with all of them. I mean, every once in a while, maybe it's due because they won't have as, as enough liquidity or whatever is going on. It'll just say not a tradable pair. Like if you put Adam in and you wanted some random token, sometimes it'll say not a tradable pair at that moment. But you, I mean, for KDA, I've never had that. Maybe if you're trying to get some really like miscellaneous off the top of, you know, off the wall type of token, maybe you might say that at that point. But because I, I, I've, I've tried to use like the Rango and all that. I just never found that to be a good experience. So like, you know, like uh, you have to connect all your wallet. I, I have, I I never bought any KDA. All the KDA I have, I like mined in the first like, week of the network when you could still mine on like Google Cloud. And so yeah, I, I kind of want to buy some more. You're so lucky. I wish I did that shit. But yeah, I'm I'm long on it. Like I like their technology. I like what it's trying to do. I, I, I looked at their white paper and the fact that like all their team I'm not saying this has to be the right approach, but there it seems like either they're already financially set and they don't need the money, but like they have their tokens like locked up forever. They can't even like withdraw it. So I'm like, yeah, these guys are kind of bullish on their own project that they're never like being able to like take take money off the top. And I'm not saying you can't do that, but like that's what their their structure is. So it made me bullish from that standpoint but like I, they're the only other community that i've ran into that's su- super passionate about the technology like they'll they might lure you to sleep because they're just talking about tech you know like if you come in and you don't really want to talk about yeah. tech like but it's they're, they're very passionate and it's brand new like it's they're, they're it's all starting to come to play like they have cadex which is their their main decks and i mean shit when i first started putting it, it just started not too long ago the token was at like three three cents to like 20 cents already and uh there's more tvl on there and uh, they have pretty cool structures of how they're doing their fees and stuff like that and uh yeah i mean i just i am that's my my other chain that i'm like outside of cosmos that i'm really interested in and i know that i forget what they're they have they're using tendermint too for some sort of smart contracts but i forget what they call it it's like an altered version of it but yeah, they're trying to to interact with uh, with Cosmos too. So yeah, yeah, they have Pact. They have their marketing engine called Pact, which is like provable, um, which you can prove stuff. Uh, so you can like you can have an invariant where like no one gets where you don't get your money stolen, and the, and the the um, the system will validate that the contract can't steal your money. Um, so you know that that's pretty cool, and. Um, at one point, like really early on, I was talking about implementing it uh, and wiring it up to Tendermint, putting on IBC before they even launched their own chain. And and, um, and they were and Will was like, "Please don't do that." And I was like, "Okay, I won't." But I, Pact is really cool. I'm, I'm a fan, and the fact that there's like that they're like bringing Tendermint in and they're going to do IBC is really cool. And I talk to them every now and then about that, and I'm excited about it. So I, I don't. KDA is one of my KDA is is is. Um, I love the chain web idea. I think it's brilliant. Like. The way they use this like 
the way they like get that extra stochastic weight out of like different chains that like tie that like interact with each other is super cool. So I'm I'm a fan of uh, of the team. I like all those people and I like their technology and like yeah, as your as your financial advisor and as your lawyer, you I require you to go buy some. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to have you whenever you have some spare time. Cause I know a lot of the guys that kind of host spaces and uh they have like projects over there. Uh maybe we'll have to do a show together. I had one time I did the Cosmos KDA show. Like it was just that's what it was, both communities and then maybe like a two weeks ago I co-hosted a show. I went over uh they have Miners of Cadena or Cadenia, they call it. And uh they had a show and they, they had me come on and yeah, I, I get, I get fascinated with it cause I like the web idea too. It's super cool. And I think, you know, in crypto, not everything, you know, there's still going to be proof of work. So I like what they're doing. I think it's really cool and it's fast as shit too. Like, it really is fast. Yeah. They're pretty efficient. They get a lot of, they get a lot of, um, of, of security out of their, like out of their, out of their burn cycles with their proof of work model. It's like, it's pretty cool. Own yeah, I had, I, what's, go ahead, what's up, Used? Your own Flux? I don't have any Flux right now. I just have Cadix and uh, and Kadena, or KDA. I see, okay. Well, you know, I, I used, I, I, I've made a lot of money off Flux, and I, I like them. Uh, honestly, I like them a little bit more than AKT, uh, just like tokenomics, stuff like that. And this proof of work, I don't know. That's one of if I had an insight at all. No, yeah, there, a lot of the people in their community are really bullish on it. I just don't have time to have like super crazy exposure to their ecosystem, so like I just stick with the basics. Like KDX is kind of like their their main decks, in my opinion, their first movers advantage, and then obviously KDA is the the, the token of the whole thing. So th- those are the two like that I own right now, and I, I'm actually LP in all of it, like both assets and. Uh, it's pretty good. Like the APRs are really good right now. And I just have a long view on it. I just kind of sit it and forget it, you know, and then every once in a while I'll throw a bone to it and just, and just basically they kind of do like what osmosis does. They have the single side and LP. So it just basically does the math for you. So, you know, you get some KDA, you click that button, you just hit, you know, max or whatever. And it'll just do the, it just does the homework for you basically. And then just puts it into the pool. Like, I think that's just a nice feature that all any sort of financial decks or whatever should all they should all just have it like no one wants to sit there and use a freaking calculator and say oh well it's half of this like all these numbers like no i don't want to do that shit i just want to click single-sided you do the math and then that's it but yeah i mean i'm bullish it's so early with them too and it's like i mean shit man like even if it got back up to closer to all-time highs like that's a nice return in the long run and um yeah, I mean, like I said, the community is really good, and they love love tech, and like that's that's what I try to keep myself around with. I'm not trying to focus my time on on um, communities that are are just like kind of shilling random shit that doesn't really matter, in my opinion. So, like I I'm down with them, you know, like I'm I'm down with them. There's another one, Ultra, which is like. I don't know if anyone's gaming out there, but they have like like Steam. It's like a a chain for like like high intense gaming and stuff like that and um they're they're like leveraging blockchain technology to make it a more fair system for um big time developers and i i know like i didn't read all about it but like epic games was like really interested and 
Epic Games is, is worth billions and uh, stuff like that. So I get kind of fascinated with stuff like that because I do think that the next like big wave of adoption is gaming and music. And, uh, you know, like there's some stuff being built for both of those right now, including pylons with like play to earn type of uh, mobile games, which is really cool. And, you know, Mo- I don't know. My- Michael probably knows the statistic, but I mean, mobile games is gigantic. And and I always keep I ha- always have an issue because I love PC so much that I don't realize that most people don't use PC for anything, which, you know, maybe in America, because it's maybe people are more financially set, maybe. But most countries, I mean, people only have access to this space from their mobile phones. So, like, mobile is just gigantic. But yeah, I don't mobile is vastly so, so, so big. Um, it's you know, tens and tens of billions of dollars. I think we're. I think we might be getting to a hundred billion dollars, kind of market size. Um, it's it's big. Yeah, it's gigantic. I mean. You think about it, I don't know, there's over 8 billion people on the planet. You would think most people by now, at this point in time, probably have a mobile phone. Hell, even kids have mobile phones. You know, they can't even talk, but they got a mobile phone in front of them. Yeah, they're on YouTube and uh, shit, right off the birth, the parents are giving that, you know, they're kind of already indoctrinated with all with all that. And uh, yeah, so that's cool. I mean, I just think that's like just the next wave. You know, like last Every time it seems like a cycle has some sort of uh, MO, so to speak, and it kind of was like the metaverse, but really like the metaverse right now, is just, it's still at this point in time, it's kind of just like an idea, somewhat people are being able to get into it. But I think in you know, a couple of years from now, it's really going to take off. And uh, it, it'd just be super cool to like have an NFT, like a PFP and be able to just do all kind of shit. And I think with like cosmos that's gonna happen chain and all that you'll you'll be able to interact with different things and more be more interactive instead of it just being so bland and generic so to speak so it's pretty Do you cool know how interchain accounts look and like cost say i'm saying like i don't know buy an nft from a secret next marketplace but like i want to start from juno like i'm not gonna pay fees for juno to go to secret and all that stuff like that Michael, do you know how they're going to do that? I thought that they were going to kind of just like convert it automatically. I yeah, I don't know. I mean, the re, the financing of relays is fucked up. Um, so like, how is yeah, how the chain accounts going to work? I I I mean, I'm you know very. I I think that like we have we should be trying to charge fewer fees, um, and just make sure that we make money anyway. Because we spend so much time trying to make sure the fee math all works out. And then, like, I don't know. I, I'm i not the person to ask because I care about features and I don't care about fees is really the bottom line. Yeah, so, like, Tricky just hit me up with it. Uh, I was going to say, uh, even before my notes, is asked these, what I meant by that question is, and uh, he just answered it, I, there's going to be a, a module and he he may know more about it, but I'm I'm sure that uh, you know there there'll be a basket of assets because um, I know even at Osmosis they were talking about this like there's no fees technically right now, but I, I would assume maybe at some point in time down the road like they would have gas fees, but you would be able to use like a like a like a global asset gas fee whether it's whatever like a predetermined hey these ten tokens 
you know, for gas. And then with interchange, it may do all the work or like the validators, you know, they're not going to care if, if you're getting, if they're getting Adam or Osmo or Juno or whatever in return. So, um, I, I kind of like that anyways, in, in an approach, like just in general is to have like a diversified portfolio and maybe one day that, and I know there's some teams working on it, but you know, to have like a, like a fund that kind of has all the different assets in it and you could just invest like, kind of like an S and P you could just invest in like a Cosmos S and P and it has uh, whatever, like 20, 30 different tokens in inside their portfolio and stuff like that. And I think that's all going to be possible too. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. Like I get it with the fee structure. Like, I don't know, like some things it's just not feasible. Like what, what you guys are kind of doing is just, it's not feasible. Dude. Can I bring up another thing? I want to change topics. I think for. So I got the beginning of that, but before you actually started asking the question, you got to kind of. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're good. So I said, I'm sorry for changing the subject on you. And I said, I think, Thank you for answering that question but like i want to talk about decentralization uh of stake and people's to the delegations like i don't think what's going on right now is definitely not good good enough because we have a lot of top heavy centralization and a lot of big chains um i had i just had one idea and i want to see what y'all think about it i was like what if we like validators who are like top five the top five validators they are like forced to charge like 25 percent commission which this will incentivize people and then like okay so like then like the 10 to what, 6 to 10 will be like 20 or you know then 15 to 20 10 like that so what it'll do it'll incentivize people to disincentivize people to stake with the top validators if they're aware of the commission rate and also it, at the same time it won't necessarily uh punish validators for being uh you know having a lot of voting power what do you think about that i'm gonna answer that question in a second i have a message I'm gonna, I'll be- I'll be able to answer the, the previous question right now. Give me one second. Hey, obviously, you don't want to incentivize people to do civil attacks, but you're actually kind of incentivizing validators to get big and then incentivizing delegators to make validators small, which is sort of, which is fun. I think that's that's an interesting, I don't know. That, mm-hmm. Someone should try it and see what happens. <laughs> so back to the interchain accounts. So, like, if you were doing a call using Juno, you would pay the Juno fee. And then, you know, the IBC packet would be sent. Right now, fees are paid by the validators. Eventually, module to charge users. So, like, if you're a transaction on Osmo, an Osmo fee. and then it says ability to use any IBC token as the gas token is already available, just not activated. Validators can choose what they accept and don't accept. So, that's that's the nutshell of, like, how that's going to work. Thank you, Tricky, for that. Cool. So basically, the token you start, the chain you start on is the token gas you're going to pay for. And I think you said it's a module or packet or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, just in general, like I know Osmosis, like I said, they were talking about that because they want they, the reason they at first they didn't have any gas fees is they didn't want that friction, you know, like, hey, well, now someone comes over, they they don't have that token to pay the gas or whatever, because there might be they might be. Uh, I use the word bridge, bridging over their assets over to osmosis. Now they don't have the Osmo token. Like, how do they get it? They don't want any of that friction. It's going to be kind of the same premise with doing like interchain accounts. They're not going to want all that friction, you know. So they'll they'll have the validator sets. will will have, and, and I'm assuming like as a business module, it would make sense to be able to accept like all the bigger names as a, as a gas fee, you know. So 
Honestly, I love that. I love that. It should make it sense. Like, if I'm doing something start on Juno, it just makes sense to pay my fee in Juno for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we definitely need to work on different things with, with the top heaviness. And there's been some just really simplistic UI things, like, uh, you know, having the order random. Because naturally, you're going to gravitate to the top ones. Like, if you're a new... You know, like, hey, this is the first time I'm going to throw $1,000 at crypto and I'm going to buy some Atom or whatever. Well, you'll click stake because you've heard about it. Like, I, oh, shit, I can stake this. You're going to click stake and then most likely, it's just human nature. You're not going to scroll through the list. There's so many, like 150 or whatever it is now. You're not going to scroll through all that. And be like, you know, let me pick this random one at the bottom. You're probably going to pick something at the top, you know. So that's kind of, by design, it's it's human You're nature. You're probably going to percent commission. Yeah. But hey, I got Seffy, good Seffy. And then we got Jimmy. What up, Jimmy? So we'll go for a little bit longer, then I gotta get rolling. But what's up, Seffy? Hey boys and girls. Uh you know, one of the uh the things on uh you know the user experience you're describing that I don't tend to like in the crypto space, especially when it comes to staking, is so you're a new user, you send over your money. You decide to hit the stake button and you're like, sure, I'm going to stake all my money. Uh, it's kind of weird to not have enough left over in your wallet to uh, be able to unstake or do other tasks. And the new user doesn't really get this. So, like, you know how it, there's a button on there that says, like, uh, I don't know, 1%, 5%, 20%, 100%, whatever, you know, it has the percentages of how much you want to stake and you can just push a button. It'd be nice to say, nice to have a button there that the top one is like, I don't know, 99.5% or some shit as opposed to 100. And there's always some dust left over in your wallet to handle the transactions or something like that. And or maybe like there's a, a pool set aside that like your wallet has to be populated with a certain amount so that you have, you know, maybe like some transaction fees available for the next I don't know, like maybe the next 10 transactions or something. Yeah. And it just stores it there somehow so that you have it ready to go when you need it. I no, I agree. Agree. Yeah. 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 yeah, let me add to that. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's, it is kind of annoying, uh, especially as a newer user, because then you, you, you're like so lost sometimes. You might be like, oh, shit, like what do I got to do? Um, if you're interacting with like osmosis all the time, it's not as bad because then you could just cl- clearly make a quick swap and send it over. But even that's kind of annoying. But yeah, there should be by default, it should be like 99.5% or something like that. And then, uh, and it maybe have like a little disclaimer on there saying, you know, th- th- why they're doing that. You, you highlight over it says, you know, we're, we're, you do this because you have dust or explains you know, what you could do is like the, the wallet could just simply have a setting in it that that's the default and if you if you want to change the default to where the top top line number is 100 percent staked then you know you you would as an experienced expert user you would modify that right otherwise 99 percent would be the highest that it would list or something like that or it's mm-hmm. going to warn you that you don't have enough money left for it won't go through because you didn't leave enough money in your wallet. Um, it almost like it's the it, it default, by default protects you from getting stuck, as opposed to by default uh, using up all your money. I think there's a simple technical solution here, which is that 
you should be able to pay the fees for a delegation reward claiming transaction out of the reward you're claiming. And then a lot of this problem goes away. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, or you know, another thing would be is what if you what if you like we had a system in the cosmos where like when you pay to delegate, you actually have paid to undelegate also at the same time. You do it at the very fucking beginning, and like you're already you already prepaid this shit somehow. I don't know. Maybe actually yeah, maybe that won't work because you have multiple times where you might delegate or undelegate or something. But anyway, some some strategy to. Uh, prevent the user from this having this friction somehow no i like that because like say you're you're delegating like adam to i don't know five different validators like each one of those you should be able to unbond whatever you want and and be able to do it even if you don't have any adam because then you can leave the other ones it's not like you have to unbond all of them so if you're delegating with like three different people you're like hey i have 20 adam or 100 adam right there i want to use that undelegate all to that one and you should be able to get it and now you have 100 atom that you could do whatever the hell you want with and obviously you have plenty of gas yeah there definitely needs to be that because you know if there's any of that friction right away it's going to deter people like oh shit this isn't isn't and it's all about being customer friendly like it's not a customer friendly if now they got to go back on coinbase or something to go buy more atom and then send it back over like it's kind of annoying so yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's a stupid consumer experience. Like you would not experience this anywhere else in life. It's just weird. Oh yeah, because it's like if you you know you're you're invested into like a stock, you don't need like a gas fee to un just say hey I want my money. Like you the the gas fee is just annoyance that you have to wait for the bank and shit. But yeah, you don't you don't need any of that. So I agree with that. W- what's up, Jimmy? How you doing, buddy? My man, Jimmy. If he's getting rugged, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I can. Uh, maybe can you guys like hear something? Was something was about to come out, but it didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so, what else besides like Cosmo stuff, Sefi? Have you been look up, up to? Um. Well, uh, mostly just sticking with Cosmos ideas lately. Um, I think you can get pretty good transactions done on Polygon. Um, in terms of like speed, one of the problems I have with Cosmos right now is that we need to get some uh, companies or uh, developers to, you know, put out more uh, sort of like fiat off ramps. I think the the gift card type mechanism can be useful for a lot of people, especially for like using yield or something to, you know, spend your money. Uh, there was some of that coming to Terra. There wasn't a lot of that coming to Cosmos at large, um, but we really need that. And I think it's going to be better. Like, I mean, like a lot of companies don't even bother like using Atom yet, much less anything else in the Cosmos. Uh, I do think that Cosmos fiat on ramps and off ramps uh, get confusing because, like, let's say you're a Juno user, would you rather have Atom be available? Um, say, for example, to buy a gift card or Osmo token, or would you rather have it be a Juno token? The problem with, uh, you know, I, I think it benefits the Cosmos system on the whole when fiat on-ramps and off-ramps are a consistent experience, and then maybe interchain accounts or whatever allows you to sort of like get to everything else within the Cosmos. Now, you know, maybe the argument could be that, well, you don't want just one token like Adam because that's not in favor 
decentralization. If we, we have maybe like in different ways to get in and out of the cosmos, maybe that's a good thing. I'm not sure, but like from a from a development standpoint, you know, if we have IBC native assets that can be used, um, you know, you know, and can be converted on the fly by like let's say for example a gift card maker let's say or vendor so imagine you taking whatever cosmos coin you want you can use it and that will be converted on the fly by whatever vendor you're using i think that would be like the best user experience long run it, it like just imagine right now if you use your credit card in a different country and your credit card company will automatically do the conversion they'll take care of the uh, foreign exchange fees. Maybe they're charging exorbitant. Maybe they don't. Fuck it, whatever. But it's like way more convenient, and you can spend your money wherever you want. That like ex that experience that whatever Visa and Mastercard give to you internationally. That's what we should think about between Cosmos chains. Because if you think about Cosmos chains as like individual countries, um, you don't want to have a lot of friction transferring between them. Like that friction has already been largely solved in the regular consumer. If we don't have that fixed by default, we just look like a bunch of morons, basically, because like, well, this is a problem that's been solved, you know, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. Like, why are we still talking about this now? It just looked dumb. So that, I think, needs to happen. And I think uh, a big uh, push for Cosmos needs to be fiat uh, off ramps that you can use in different countries. And um, that's a much harder problem to solve than like a DeFi problem. Um, and that user experience, I think, needs to be sort of fixed up. And maybe interchain security, interchain accounts, because imagine a gift card vendor, now they have interchain accounts uh, enabled, then they could handle the con conversion on their end. And maybe it doesn't matter what Cosmos coin, as long as there's a liquidity pool somewhere, it'll just sort of like, it'll take care of itself, right? Um, and that will be like, so that way, you know, you, oh, I have a little bit of extra Stargaze tokens that I'm not planning on buying NFTs with, you know, and I want to, I need to buy a, like, you know, I need to get a, you know, Amazon gift card, or I need to get a taxi cab with Uber or whatever. Uh, the point is like, you have a way to get there um, by converting anything to anything. I think that's the user experience that like people want. We, and we wanted a bridge free because we all know that bridges blow um, too many problems with that. And um, like having to go to some stable coin first also, I think we've discovered that that's a shit experience too. If you look at what happened to either UST or you look what happened to Tornado Cash or whatever the hell, um, nobody wants to do that shit either. So I don't really hold a lot of stable coin except for the purely um, like, you know, price exposure of a stable. I, I just don't think any of them be trusted. Um, not like, and not just because, you know, UST had a problem, but because just, they just can't be. Um, and I'd rather be in that decentralized world and then be able to use the, the cash flow accordingly. And I've just gotten used to the fact that like my money goes up and down in value. Like, you know, that, that, uh, that's just part of the game. And, you know, maybe like when the price of Adam or something's up, well, maybe that's a good time to go buy Amazon gift cards. Right. Or when the price is down, maybe it's time to buy more Adam or whatever. Like it, you know, you can take profit directly to expenditure as opposed to going to a stable coin first. I like which one would I trust more an Amazon gift card as a store of value or USDC. Right. I trust an Amazon gift card more than I do US, believe it or not. That's kind of funny, but like, why not? Right. Like, if, yeah, if you have like 10,000 bucks worth of Amazon gift cards, that shit's as good as gold. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like that point. Yeah. I mean, because 
<laughs> yes, yeah, sta- like stable coins. We already know now it's it's not. It, it's it's dicey. Like when you hear stable coin, you think it's stable, but I guess it's in theory it's not stable. So yeah, I agree with that. It, it'd be nice, you know, the market starts pumping up, and you know, you you want to just hurry up and swap over to an Amazon gift card because that's it is good as gold. Like you can get pretty much anything from Amazon, so it's like. Uh, you can use it, and the, and the bottom line is that we're we're always going to want to spend money either out of necessity or whatever. So we need to be able to do that in this space in general because we can't right now. Like sometimes you were able to, and then we've seen the, how that worked with these different uh, platforms, you know, going bankrupt or just not working. Like I used to use, um, I had this card. I don't even know who it was through. It was kind of through Uphold. And it was like XRP, but they discontinued their service. Like so, before I used to be able to say, "Okay, well, the market's doing pretty good. Let me let me fill up my gas real quick in my car." You know, it's worth more. Now they don't even have a service anymore. So I don't know if it, what what's going on with that, with the regulatory stuff or whatever. But yeah, the, the, it needs to work because it is kind of annoying. Then you have to swap over to a stable coin and do all this other stuff. And I don't know if you were on earlier, but I was talking about uh, right now. I use like Stealth X and Simple Swap, and I'm not sponsored by either one of them. I just use it for the convenience. It's like you send whatever token you want. It could be like Adam. It'll just give you a fresh wallet address that's never been used before. You send it to them, and then you put whatever asset you want. Like if you want chaos as an example, like I want some KDA. Here's my freaking KDA wallet address, my X wallet, and then pretty much it happens. You know, within a few minutes or so on, on average. And I don't have to worry about like sending it over to like KuCoin and then having a hoping KuCoin allows it to be withdrawn and all that shit. I just know it's going to work. And, and it- let me ask you something. Uh, maybe you can clarify, or maybe one of the guys here can. But uh, right now, uh, like I haven't used the Axelar USDC um, in any significant way. Um, one uh, question I have is: Have you guys seen any kinds of fiat offerings direct with? XR USD, like an, an exchange that actually accepts it yet that you can use in the United States. The second question I have is um, if you have XLR USD that you converted to on, let's say, Astroport on Terra, uh, can you send that USDC mm, like via IBC directly to Osmosis or do you have to do some kind of like conversion? Do you have to go to XLR's site? Like, uh, what's the, how much friction is there in using? Using Axlar USDC between the various chains. Cosmos, can I can I answer this? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, CFI, I, what I tend to do is I just convert that Axlar USDC to Atom, and then I I send Atom to Binance. So one thing about uh, being outside US is most of these regulations are not as crazy. So there is a Binance debit card as well. Okay. So these on and off ramps you are mentioning, it's a million dollar um, idea. It's a million dollar question. Um, everyone wants to do it, but regulation is, is very, very important. So for me, uh, XLR USDC um, is not equal to, let's say, BUSD. So the, your comment about stable coins uh, it's not applicable to all stablecoins. BUSD is 99.99% backed by cash. Similarly, PAXD, which is backed by gold. So again, you need to diversify on the stablecoins as well. In the, the same exact way, you need to diversify on your crypto holdings. 
But for me, um, uh, someone outside U.S., I'm in U.K., uh, the, the, the regulation is pretty okay. So what I tend to do is I will, let's say, let's say if I have some FMOS uh, profits, I'll convert it to U.S. XLR, USDC. Once it hits $100, I will convert it to Atom. I will send it to Binance. From Binance, I can either convert it to uh, GBP, which is the British pound, or I can just uh, keep it on the card. So those all options are available outside U.S. Unfortunately, I don't know the regulations in U.S., but I hope similar things come off. Well, there's not but, a there's not a regulatory concern about using them. Um, th- there's plenty of people using stables and unstables and all of that. It's more a question of just availability and uh, a less friction I, process. I, I, I get it. So let me answer it another way. So for me, it's not an issue uh, because I, I can use just just use a centralized exchange as long as I stay on top of my tax and everything. Uh, there are companies, for example, Emirates, um, they directly accept crypto, for example, BTC. So for the moment, it just depends upon the companies. Uh, reputable companies have started to accept uh, these, uh, uh, I would say, transactions. So you will be much more okay in just transacting directly. You don't need on and off ramp if a company accepts crypto. And I think that's the new wave of adoption that's coming yeah of course yeah if, if if i can use things direct i'd like to uh but short of that you know uh i don't want to necessarily have to take axlar usdc then go and make another transaction convert it to let's say polygon or ethereum usdc and then send it to coinbase where it's no accepted. you don't need to you uh, do you guys have binance in us and can you just convert XLR no. USDC to we don't oh. we don't have true Binance the the full Binance we just have Binance US which sort of sucks it sucks okay. ass yeah but hey you uh, Sefi from what I understand I haven't really used it because I haven't been like obviously the market's kind of shit so I'm not gonna be like cashing out right now but um, from my understanding is you just use the Axler's uh, interface and it just does it for you like so you can send USDC and to send it right to Coinbase or whatever, right? Just basically doing that. Via the interface on the Axelar site itself? Do we have to? I mean, I should know this. So like, can you connect, what, like what wallets can you connect? Like can, if you connect, say for example, let's say for, let's take an example. Let's say you have Axelar USDC on Terra. Uh, Cause you converted on Astroport from let's say Luna to USDC. So now, can you then uh, easily send that, let's say, to, let's say, straight to Coinbase? Can you send it as USDC on Ethereum or Polygon? Is there a conversion somewhere that can C- allow C- that? To happen T- tell, me, tell me this. Can Atom to your Coinbase? Yeah, Atom, we can, I can definitely okay, do. So, um, so here's the simple solution for you just convert your XLR USDC on Osmosis to Atom and then send on. Yeah, but he's it just means for like the friction. And you can like I'm I'm pretty sure on Osmosis you can hit withdrawal on your USDC and just send it to your address on Coinbase. It'll just go there. Yeah. But Tricky's Tricky would know. He knows all like the little random shit like this. What's up, Tricky? Uh, Steffi, that exact example you just said, uh you can do where you're like, Hey, I have USDC on whatever chain. I want this USDC to pop up uh and Coinbase as an Ethereum based USDC. Um, you just pretty much route like the settings like that, that that's what you want it to do. 
put in the addresses and axlar does like everything in the background for you it's pretty dope oh you know so you can go you can do this on axlar so could you connect like for example uh a terra wallet right now terra 2.0 which has my let's say axlar usdc can i then take that and go direct to let's say polygon ethereum or something like that on uh like coinbase and just do one move maneuver and like just get it done yeah i'm just trying not to make yeah. 600 million transactions no for no, no it does it yeah Sefi, it does it for you like right now um poly, it's on polygon ethereum injective moonbeam osmosis terra bnb chain crescent cosmos um, Secret, Juno, Phantom, Avalanche, Kajera, E-Money, Aurora, and Terra Cla- Even Terra Classics technically still on her. So I, I, mean, say, I, don't, I don't know if it's a new Terra yet, but but yeah. So you can hook up multiple wallets to it, Sefi. So you don't even have to like copy paste addresses. Just be like, okay, here's my Terra Station wallet. Here's my you know Avalanche wallet, whatever it is. Um, and you can just boom, boom, just like that. Yeah, it's interesting that like the new Terra mainnet wallet. What's funny about it is like uh nobody really knows you you have that <laughs> so it's almost like you got airdropped something that no one knows you have and um you know if i'm going to if i spend this direct without going to any centralized exchanges or fiat off ramps then like long story short that just goes into a mystical black box and uh now i have like you know a new apple computer on my desk but like you know, it just got there, right? <laughs> like, so that's uh, that's what I'm alluding to. Like this idea of not having to go through central exchanges and go, go through, you know, use some of these. Um, like, let's say I want to use, for example, um, you know, some of this internationally. Let's say I go on a trip, right? Uh, be able to use some of these yields and whatnot, you know, frictionlessly through like Travella.com or something. And, um, you know, like buy, you know, tickets or whatever the heck I need when I'm traveling without having to go through even back to Coinbase. That's like uh, sort of the gold standard for me in terms of usability. Yeah, I agree with that. Centralized exchange for anything, except for maybe, I mean, I guess for nothing really. In, in, in fact, like in, in the future, I don't, yeah. want, I don't want to ever have to interact with any of those. You know, like, Cause like Coinbase is going to get audited, right? Like they, they have, they, they have to report back certain things. Whereas like, you know, some little micro gift card company or or little ass travel agency, they don't give they're not going to get audited for these things. No one's going to ask them for their the nuances of what they you know, they're not going to have the tornado cash experience necessarily. Right. Because they don't you know, the tiny little shops all over the world don't give a shit about all that. So that's you know, you want to be able to use your some of your money in those things, is my opinion. Um, anyway. Yeah, I like that. Because that brings up a, a question that I have about Axelar and because it's basically just a derivative of USDC, but it's not connected in any way, shape or form. So let's say I had funds and I didn't want them to be able to freeze anything if I ever got dusted or whatever scenario may be. I'm still good within the Axelar ecosystem with the stable coin because it's not directly influenced theoretically by um usdc correct yeah really all it is is just thinking is like they it's just passing messages along decentral it's a decentralized like general message passage like it's not um it's not like a like a centralized entity right that could just like hold on to it and say hey okay bless you're giving me ten dollars here you go here's here's this other ten dollars and now i you have to worry about me it's just basically passes messages 
back and forth. That's really all. Well, I, I feel I feel way safer in, say, for example, Adam, for you know censorship resistance at this point than I am about messing with any sort of uh, backed stablecoin. Like that's kind of my feeling on it. The problem with that theory is, is that you guys all know that like when you're talking about an inflationary um, you know, protocol coin or like a, a chain coin like Adam, the problem is it's not a good buy at 50 bucks if it's going to go back down to seven. And it's, you know, it, the problem with inflationary coins is you have to literally catch the bottom to make it some kind of short term store of value. And it is what it is, right? Like, so you just have to keep playing that trading game in order to make sure that or, or you have to hedge yourself. Like, for example, you have to take, you know, some percentage of your amount and short the market if you want it to behave like a stable. So, like, for example, I know um, Pantera and I were talking about this at some point. If you basically have like 10 percent of your uh, portfolio in some unstable coin like an atom and you always have like a short going on, then what happens is if the price goes down and you have a 10 percent of your assets are in a 10x short, then you basically have hedged with a small portfolio function of your portfolio to turn your um, uh, asset essentially into a stable coin indirectly. And like, so the price of the coin goes down, great, you still have the residual value. If the price of the coin goes up, you lose some of your gains, but you um, are still kind of coming out ahead or at least breaking even. And I think there's a way to use these as sort of a stable coin in a sense and have retain a substantial portion of the censorship resistance. But again, that involves you then monkeying around on KuCoin or something like that, or Binance and placing a short, which is a pain in the ass to sort of monitor that and do fees or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's, I think there's different tactics here, but I, I still think that in practice, um, it makes me feel dirty not being in something that's censorship resistance, if that makes sense. No, I agree with that. We need to have maybe like e like an ETF or something of like all of Cosmos too. If maybe we can have some sort of st stability with something like that too. Because yeah, I mean, I get I always get like that because even people like you just mentioned BUSD, right? Okay, cool. Like let's say crypto, I don't know, the market it goes from two trillion to you know ten trillion, fifteen trillion. Like you would be a fool to think that these entities that have a stable coin are going to want to be it's completely backed one to one with the dollar because it's not a good business model. Like, why would you want to have? Yeah, I think it's just the it's just the way it is. I think you probably should read BUSD's manifest. Um, every yeah, but, they, but they, uh, I don't think what you're saying applies to BUSD. No, but uh, this but, is you're not you're not letting me get my point. You, even Binance, they didn't want to keep having BUSD. That's why they let USD on there and they were like promoting it right before it crashed. Because as a business model, these entities, like let's say, like it's just not profitable to have money just sitting there backed one to one. It's also, it's also a regulatory uh, and governmental attack vector to sort of like affect your ecosystem by saying, hey, stop offering that, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why they, like, they keep sitting there harassing Coinbase. Like, oh, you... Uh, you're you're allowing staking like you know it's it's too much of a and like you're saying it's an attack vector yeah i think it's uh, it's a very very important point in terms of attack vector but again the whole world is not just us i think what you guys are blinded by is that regulations might be similar elsewhere it is not 
the world. Well, 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 you have to think of it this way. While the whole world is not the U.S., if U.S. customers en masse are seriously affected by their ability to access crypto, GG. Um, make, make no mistake, it's going to cause a cataclysmic drop in the prices of assets. So, yeah, good like, game. So, There's so much so money like, here. Oh, yeah, so it's like it's it's the canary in the coal mine, as as they say. Like you know, if if things are going badly for U.S. customers, it's not good for crypto. This, at this large. is the same exact blindness that China had, thinking that they're going to crash the market when they completely ban Bitcoin. It's the same illusion people have in U.S. It's actually not but true. It, but it did it's crash. Actually, the market not that. true. But let's <laughs> agree to disagree. No, but the but Bitcoin's price uh, in terms of valuation did actually crash in response to that for at least the short term, right? Thank uh, you. Very, very important. Very, very yeah. important. You said short term. That's exactly what's going to happen in an extremely unlikely situation. You just proposed that U.S. customers going to leave crypto en masse. It's not going to happen, even if the government can do whatever. You know what? In China, you will be hanged for this. In U.S. Nah. So, right, which is, which is why I'm not going to do that. Which is why what happens in China doesn't necessarily matter as much because if the freest countries in the world um, are the ones with the most aggressive regulatory policy, that's when you have to really worry. Okay. So, do you, like, in do other you words, know what China Cambridge... does is almost expected, right? Whereas when, when, when the freer countries in the world, the more libertarian minded countries do these things, and do a, or a lot more aggressive with regulatory and control measures, that's a lot more scary because you have nowhere to run to. Okay. C5, you know so. that uh, Cambridge University publishes the highest hash rates every few quarters. Do you know this? Well, I can, I can pick up the hash rates of anything anywhere, but yeah, what, what's the yeah, uh, so, question? So who, do, do you know which country is second now? Uh, second what, Bitcoin hash rate? Correct. Uh, no, what is it now? It's China. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's the Chinese government mining. I cannot tell. Or whether it's just people say, fuck you, China. We're going to do it anyway. I don't know the answer to that, okay? I, I really don't. So what's, what you just said completely well, goes well, against the... And, the and actually, it's, 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 it's important to understand like how far back I go. Like In other words, um, I've been at this at, like since video game, before video game gold was sold from person to person. So I've been at this a very long time. So I understand what all the different nuances you're getting at. In other words, if I'm worried about something, you should be way more worried than the average person worried about something. Uh, like, what I'm saying to you is that like the, the mass adoption scenario, and I've been through the decimation of decades of tech, uh, of all sorts of tech actually, and there were a lot of things that look like good ideas that are no longer around. But what I'm saying is like, when it comes to sort of like the mass adoption and utility of what we're talking about here, whether it's Cosmos or otherwise, it needs to be an extremely like frictional, frictionless system through and through. It needs to be both robust and hard to destroy. It's very, very frictionless. The consumer, the end user is extremely uh, resistant to frictioned experiences, which is why like, you know, if you look, if you look at how smartphone development has happened, if you have like three buttons you have to push to achieve a process and a company can get rid of, you know, one of those buttons and then they can remove all the buttons, then that particular platform is going to advance. That user experience of ease is extremely important, but also the fiat on off ramps 
And also like just the fear the public has about various problems like, you know, their wallet address being open or security and all those other nuances that have fixed. What I'm describing when it comes to fiat on and off ramps and the use of your money and the use of it internationally, like I don't want to go to Italy and find out, find out that I can't do what I can do in the United States, or I don't want to go from China and find out I can't do the same thing in the U.S. or vice versa. So that's all, just, it, that's all those... international friction. Yeah, and so all having... of those things are just additional barriers that just slow us down. So, so uh, see if I, I have worked in uh, China, I have worked in U.S., I'm currently in U.K. The traditional um, centralized government-owned parties, there's fintech solutions. So, for example, uh, again, I'm very biased towards UK. I have a credit card slash debit card called, called Starlink. And it is part of necessity because I live on border with the EU. So I live in a city called Derry, London Derry. So I have to hop across border sometimes. And if you use traditional banks, you will be really, uh, can I swear Cosmos sauce or it's not? Yeah, yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's not fuck me up the arse if if I use traditional uh, bank accounts, you know. So he had the... he had to go there. He had to go there. <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so 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 point is, uh, there is fintech companies already addressing the issues you are trying to raise. So Starlink has like no 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 charges, okay? Like the way traditional uh, banks charge Monzo. Another company, fintech company here, does the same. I don't know if these companies, Starling and Monzo, are in the states, but the idea is, is is spreading. Like there are blockchains, like Moon blockchain, for example, which is about to come on Cosmos. Um, so, so traditional financial sector is already trying to to solve its own pay, pain point. So, I think it's 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 down to the companies. Okay. So, what you're saying is is the on-off thing, it is has to be down to the uh, the companies like Emirates. Um, uh, there was a new fashion store recently announcing they're going to accept ApeCoin, for example. So for Atom, I think it's it's the collaborations with big companies, maybe eBay or Amazon one day, um, uh, that will do this. But for us, in outside US, uh, we have fintech companies doing exactly the things you just proposed. So I carried my Starlink card to US. No issues. I can use it there. No extra charges. I used it in China. I can use it in Republic of Ireland. I can use it in anywhere I wish. What crypto can do better is, you know, that arbitrage between dollar to uh, pound conversion. Uh, so bank yeah, the, the, the arb the, actually that was what was what you're describing was what uh, Vertex Protocol was attempting to create before Terra collapsed. It was the kind of like um, international stablecoin arbitrage and uh, you know make making liquidity between essentially international stablecoins much easier to do. And unfortunately, the shit hit the fan and that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, that's a, I, I know what you're talking about. What what we really need is that fungibility between various international stables so i can frictionlessly move i can come to the uk i can matter my usdc or whatever the hell i have bitcoin i can spend it um seamlessly between 
uh, coins, and I can convert that into the fiat that's required locally at a reasonable cost and buy coffee in the UK. And then I can go to India. I can go buy coffee there. I can go to wherever. And some of this is yeah, the business is accepting them, but I don't think we're going to get very far with, you know, random businesses accepting, like, I don't know, Matic but it's, or it started C5, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it has started at a very low level. Let's say in El Salvador, for the, example. The process, in my opinion, has been horrifically bad. And I've been at this a long time tech wise, and it's been extremely slow compared to lots of uh, tech developments. Um, and I think the main reason for that is just, uh, it's obvious, it's the problem of, um, you know, the biggest problem is who actually profits from providing a fiat on an off-ramp. The fiat on an off-ramp provider has to make money. This is, I think, the biggest pain point. And if you look at all the different available options out there, like in Europe, like, I don't know, MoonPay and this and that, like their fees tend to be really high. So in order to just use your money, you're paying a high cost for that privilege, relatively speaking. Um, you sort of pay that already in credit card companies. Like, let's say you use your Chase bank card or some shit. Their business is that the business is being charged and they pass that on to you and the cost of your goods. So the problem is the way currently products and services globally are priced electronically is the 2% credit card fee is already included when you buy something. Like if you go buy a pair of shoes, you go buy whatever the hell you want, McDonald's, whatever. You don't get a discount if you pay cash. You guys notice that? So they've are like if and I own businesses that we do this all the time, obviously. We we assume the cost of doing business includes the credit card fee and the merchant. And now what happens in crypto is if I go buy a gift card and they charge me 1% to buy a gift card, I not only not you get the cashback rewards for what I would normally get, but now I'm paying to actually use the privilege of using my crypto also. So I'm actually paying extra just to use crypto. That experience will not stand with the general public. And this is not going to work in any meaningful way. Every single time I make a large transaction, like let's say $2,000, I want to buy a computer. I'm not going to go buy a gift card for it. Because if I just use my credit card, I'm going to get like 3% cash back on my Apple you know, credit card. Why would I want to do this, right? So, so what's happening now is this credit card companies have basically created a price barrier to access to entry. And I think the broader picture is like there's no obvious reason for merchants to take crypto transactions unless they can either benefit the consumer directly or they can benefit themselves directly. And this is generally not the case yet. And I, this is the reason why my businesses don't do, accept do, crypto, even though do, I've been doing Do you guys have forever. a CRO card uh, in in US? The crow, t yeah, the card. It kind of sucks, though. It's not very. It's not very. Uh, um, like it's not that competitive anymore. And it's like a prepaid debit. It's not actually because what you're saying is is kind of already implemented. Like like on 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 the Binance card, you get cashbacks. Yeah, you know, uh, both the 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 merchant and yeah. The no, there's okay. definitely companies that have tried this. A Voyager was the best card up until like, I don't know, like before they got bankrupt, they had a problem and had nothing to do with their debit card. They almost had it working. But yes, you're correct. Like if you can get this done in such a seamless way that, you know, like a Crow card or a Binance card, the problem is that uh, the Crow card in particular, the problem was that it doesn't work on all vendors. Like it, it, not all um, places you places you go to accept prepaid debit cards. Um, like some certain gas stations will accept it, certain ones won't. It was a bad user experience. Maybe some of the people have used it more can talk to it, but that's the biggest complaint of the Crow card, for example. So yeah, we're we're in this kind of weird like middle ground period where 
the re part, there's a lot of reasons why adoption has been slow. And there was a lot of reasons why companies don't want to accept, like, say, for example, Bitcoin. The biggest one besides this cost factor is the privacy factor. A business doesn't want to broadcast the entire planet how much money is coming in a coin wallet that, you know, clarify, like, let's uh, say KP, all of I my business. You, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, me, sorry, me, sorry, me. You're absolutely right there. But we have to think about as well how it works really in the real world of the economic. The point is um, the first, like 15 to 20 percent, this is the study, says if these people start to use something, the rest of the 60 percent will follow and afterwards the other 20 percent. Who you yeah, are? Yeah, sure. No, 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 KP, brother. You, but you to, but to get right. to that. From the normal people, from the normal users who are the 60 percent. You're absolutely right. They want the three percent and all that, but we have to go with the fifteen percent who go forward. They are most people who make more money. They make not always. It's not like to say illegal money. It's about like no, to no. say they like they yeah. they believe in it. They they believe like in crypto. They don't care about the three percent cashback. Yeah. Now no, remember, remember yeah. though, I I I have personally ridiculous amounts of money. Like I'm not I'm not like. You know, I, I, I'm not poor by any stretch of the imagination, but the difference is you have yeah. to put yourselves in the mindset of the common denominator. If, if I just act like a rich person and don't think like, you know, a common man, then when I run my business, I'm not going to create features that the common individual who comes to use my business actually wants. Right. So I Absolutely think of it right. from the angle yeah. of like what's out there in the market today. What is the competitive advantage that I get as a business if I accept crypto? And right now, currently, if and all of the different types of businesses but I have, I get no yeah, competitive yeah. advantages, guys. None, uh, none whatsoever in retail. Absolutely right. But you can say where there are some users who say, we want uh, to be completely disparate from these banks. You know, we want to get out of this all capitalist. Yeah, the, the militant things. libertarian represents a relatively small fraction of the entire population out there. Like right. that's the problem. Yeah. So you're really you're not getting get to sixty percent users with that as the group. No, no, no. You're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely yeah. right there. What I'm looking now because we are actually like all about four percent of the population who use crypto, and if we can get like to the fifteen percent, and if the fifty percent push it hard, then we can get like a door to the sixty percent. When we get the door to the sixty percent, then we have the freedom of this fucking banks of this capital of those politicians all do it some out there are thinking oh boy okay i want that my coin goes up to the moon i am rich blah blah i don't give a fuck of that i want the freedom for my son you know i have children i have a son and i want that he lives free out of this old capitalistic bastard shit and my way of thinking is the only solution is crypto if we can say like gold i, I don't know are, i can be yeah. pretty i can pretty be pretty aggressively capitalist by the way in the in a crypto environment no. that doesn't okay so okay. i wouldn't necessarily downplay capitalism <laughs> like you know that's a separate thing okay okay you're right there but i was going like this is against capital either <laughs> so, yeah there are it's, it's mathematically there is no it. choice Right. <laughs> I'm yeah. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it was like Kai Marx, you know, it's just the doogie of the world. <laughs> no, but but I think a anyway, the, the only reason I bring of, uh, the the amount of people using crypto. So, uh, Anton, so the, yeah. the the value is is of of money is decided by the users. So let's say exactly, pre but the users they have the choice. Like Russia, they say they're not going to use US dollar anymore to. 
uh, getting in trade with the oil or gas. Fuck off all, all that uh, politicians. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. The, the, the price of anything is decided. If you go back in, in mm-hmm. pre-medieval times, it's the two users. Let's say yes. I'm producing rice, you are producing wheat. I, yes. I produce so much rice that I'm That's actually it, not true and I want to eat, eat wheat. And you say, this that, guy is desperate. True. Let, I you know, I, I, can I come in yes. here and point out two things? Historically speaking, if we really want to about facts, during the Holy Roman Empire, as that guy is German, um, there were price, uh, there were rules around price controls in most of the Palatine region. And most of the Holy Roman Empire, each of the city-states had their own price controls. That's why the Holy Roman Empire wasn't either Holy Roman or an empire. Those yeah. little, like, kingdoms and duchies had their own customs. It was ridiculous. I mean, in the 15th and 16th century, it was really bad. If you were going to float uh, a barge down, you know, the Rhine, for example, you get taxed by different locations. Um, mm-hmm. And tolls. Just type in tolls, Roman, uh, Holy Roman Empire. There were tolls all over the place, right? Of course, and, of course, um, yeah. And before that, and, yeah, and before that, um, price controls and the price of products were set during the actual Roman Empire, not the fake one, the actual Roman Empire. Um, so, for example, the price of barley, of wheat, and things like that. But the most important commodity uh, historically was salt. So, for example, Roman soldiers were paid in salt. They weren't paid in gold. Um, people have this idea of like Roman soldiers getting huge bags of gold after campaigns. It's not true. They never really touched this stuff, to be honest. There simply wasn't enough gold around. Um, they got bags of salt for their campaigns. And then if they want to send money back home, uh, there would be a registration for their families receiving a certain amount of salt per, per. I think it would depend. I mean, during the early part of the Roman Empire, they were paid twice a year, and then later on, they were paid four times a year. So um, this idea of this whole barter system is completely non-existent. Um, yeah. Even in China, for example, during the Song Dynasty, um, and um, later on too, um, there were very heavy price controls for a variety of issues, reasons. The main reason was Government controlled uh, wheat and rice production. So of during course, the, 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 uh, during famines, there, there would be Africa because now speculations, guys, put speculators. Well, that doesn't why, make any sense. That's not food number good. one in the whole world, and they speculated for years. millions of people died because the price went up twice. That's yeah. not true. What went um, no, 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 the price, the price four years ago for rice. Now you're just yelling for no rice reason. food number one in the world. Look, went bro, you can't yell at me. I'm a mean to be yelled at. All right, my war. You guys are doing good. Just don't overshout and, and throw pissy fits. You know what I mean? You guys can have a disagreement. It's all good. But yeah, go ahead with your point. Uh, let Let me bring a third party in here go ahead blessed if you want to add anything to that and i i like what jimmy was going with all that yeah i I do agree with this point on that too just my third party point of view there but go ahead blessed yeah i think uh jimmy was actually headed down the right uh path there and that's what i wanted to weigh in on i don't think anybody has technically spoke about this but but to mass adoption for the crypto sphere in general, we touched on U.S. having a, a huge impact um, is the taxes. Um, that is their biggest means of control. Now, the federal government and the, the Federal Reserve and all those guys, they are 
super hesitant about allowing anybody to freely transact. That's why we have no clarity and the SEC is now headhunting anybody they deem to be big enough to be a threat that they don't have complete oversight over. You know, all the backdoor deals with Ethereum and the Ripple case and all this stuff highlights those things if you dig deep. Now, the taxes, the general population will not be able to harness a tax burden with every single transaction, period. Until we can get these global regulations uh, by what the CIA no, I gotta come in here. Come in here. And, and all these guys and, and label these currencies what they really are currencies to let us transact as if they were currencies. Uh, uh, I gotta reply. I mean, this is a very American centric view of, uh, of the way of looking at it. Uh, the truth is, is that majority of transactions do not play, take place in the United States. Majority of crypto ownership is not is not from the United States, um, and therefore, in truth, majority of countries actually uh, for uh, capital gains tax it is self reported. So, for example, Hong Kong, Thailand, Singapore, Saudi Arabia, UAE, uh, these countries. They're just examples. You only self-report capital gains. So theoretically, you never report any capital gains. But the truth is people mostly honestly do it because the books are open and the governments can just check with the exchanges. But they also are aware that it just is too time-consuming and difficult to uh, arrest people for evading capital gains tax. And for example, in the UAE, an Emirati might be the cousin of the Minister of Finance which is not hard because these tribes are humongous. And so it'd be rather pointless to arrest him if he's trying to, let's say, avoid 2,000 bucks, whatever, in capital gains. Now, of course, the United States and the EU have their own separate regulations, but this idea of worldwide regulation, it's never been true for finance in general. It's never been true of equities, for example. Each country has their own, each major country of their own financial system has their own SEC. I mean, for example, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Thailand, they all have their own stock markets. Do you know that Georgia has its own stock market? Armenia has its own stock market? They have their own rules too. I definitely understand that, um, but it's still a market effect. It's still uh, an effect as if you know, you have a market in the U.S. I'm not saying that they dictate it. Again, America. If, you, if what you're saying is true, we would have more adoption, and we would be... We wouldn't more have more adoption. Well, you're saying that the market is already free enough to where people would transact. Well, I didn't, I didn't say that, not putting words on that. All I'm saying is that do not have to worry about worldwide regulation reflecting how it will affect American users, right? Um, whether or not the American users ever have access to more fair regulation, the truth is American users are the by far the most regulated of all users in the world, right? Open up an American uh, bank account. That's one set of regulations. Now, an American citizen goes outside the country, tries to open up either an American, uh, either an, a bank account or a crypto exchange account. The only question that is asked is, are you an American citizen and are you going to follow FATCA? If true, no one wants to open up either a bank account for you or a crypto account for you. Americans are banned from using 90% of the exchanges in the world. So, in truth, the way that mass adoption will occur is completely uh, without having to worry about the United States. The United States will never accept mass adoption, but everyone else will because they're forced to. Yeah, most countries when we outside the United States, most countries outside the United States have yeah. different issues, right? They don't use the U.S. dollar. 
it is, you know, transfer-wise and plaid, these types of systems, they work really well in the United States. The United States has really open regulations regarding fintech. But go to Laos, go to Myanmar, go to Indonesia. By the way, combined population of these countries is 300 million, FYI. So, you know, a lot of people out there. Go to these countries and everyone has a crypto exchange account right now. Why? Because they have to use online platforms. Actually, I don't think you're even right by saying there is no mass adoption. Go to the Philippines. Anyone who's ever been in the Philippines can say this. Almost everyone under the age of 35 has a Binance uh, type of crypto wallet for Yo, sending and remitting uh, yeah. money. And so a lot of the Filipinos who work abroad, by the way, the most popular occupation at the age of 35 for a Filipino is overseas worker. They're all remitting uh, assets using these wallets. So it is not true to say there's no mass adoption. There's only a lack of mass adoption in the United States and in the EU. That's it. That's yeah. it. By far, that's it. Exactly. That's and it. what I don't like is, are these people who come in here and lie about how bad it is. You, sir, you're an American and you have restricted access. Don't try and pretend the problems of you are the problems of everyone else in the world. Most countries in the world have no restrictions whatsoever. They have no problems whatsoever opening up an account or using anything related to crypto whatsoever. It's only you that have problems. Don't blame yeah. the rest of the world for your issues. Absolutely right there. And there are 170 more, more countries after America and whole Europe together who are still using it. If you take countries where like the say the economic is not in the most stable way, like Argentina, they love to use it. I even yesterday night I had a dream. I was thinking about if you take all the gold and the diamonds and just let's say this is a normal stone, this is worth nothing. And when we take like where we say we are humans being, we say this is worth something and we build on it, then we can exchange through the whole world, we can make business together without be being regulated nonstop from the politician, from the sanctions, and from that, what they're thinking like from themselves. It's now for us humans being, and we are 96% over 7 billions. And this is what we have to take. We have not to follow the 4% who takes 96% of the money. And this is study. This is These are numbers that are true. 96% of the money belongs to 4% of the population. And I think we should... Yeah, I'll, I'll add by saying every single year, look at the statistics. The United States, as a percentage of world GDP goes down, right? It's losing its relevance every single year. So at some point, as it becomes irrelevant, the second largest economy in the world, or maybe someday the third largest economy, we don't know. Yeah. Crypto will have its mass adoption moment. China will eventually allow people to use crypto officially. But, you know, there's a reason why there's so many Chinese VCs involved in Web3. Type in IOSG, one of the oldest VC firms in China. Invest in everything under the sun. Sandbox. MakerDAO. But it's all the doesn't want it. We want to use crypto. China doesn't want it because then the money goes well, they do. to China. Yeah, the but they do already, though. It's just that it's kept on the down low. So mm -hmm. go to Shenzhen. Go to the main offices of Shenzhen, and you'll see a lot of advertisements for crypto, as well as, of course, the signs of the VC firms and the exchanges that are based there. Yeah, but uh, who Shenzhen is the crypto, crypto headquarters of crypto of probably Northeast Asia. And literally, they're, they're investing billions of dollars every single year into crypto. Crypto is not banned in China whatsoever. Uh, hey there. Uh, so I kind of just wanted to add to this. Uh, you know, I recognize that the United States has 
let's call it a restrictive access uh, rules, right? Um, but even if our GDP in the United States goes down, like a bunch of money is in the United States, like a ton That's of money. There, there, there's, a reason, there's a reason why, like, you know, like if you're making an app, getting US users on iOS is more profitable than getting a user in Not the true Philippines. It, okay. I mean, yeah, they spend well, more. For example, of course, we all know the Axe Infinity. The vast majority of Axe Infinity users came from the Philippines. Um, yeah, the majority. Of, hey, you know, hold on, guys, hold on. Let me just finish. No, no, Please, no, let me just finish. Let me let me just finish. Osmo, Tony, come on, let me finish this. Uh, <clears throat> come on, guys. Sunday it's supposed to be all about love. Just kidding, but no. Let Jimmy go ahead with your point, and then um, note if you have anything to respond to that. Let's try to keep it like not over, you know, cockfighting, so to speak. One second. You may believe it or not, guys, but there are apps out there that are downloaded 10x over American apps or even just English language apps. It's called WeChat. It's called Weibao. It's called Weibo. It's I mean, all these apps, for example, just in Chinese are talk about percentage of gross revenue being created. You know, it's just these apps are way more pro- profitable than uh, apps. and of course, India I, well, clearly no, it's never been to India. I'm not sure if you know this, but the vast majority of Indians use Indian apps. They're written in Hindi and they're made in India by Indian teams. And you probably have never heard of them. You know, for example, real estate apps, uh, of course, um, and, uh, you know, uh, job apps, all Indian apps. Just because an American app makes a lot of money and is in American locale and is listed on an American stock market somewhere doesn't mean that that app is more profitable per user, actually. Actually, a lot of these, the most profitable apps actually are, are just apps which were in locales with very low taxes, right? Very low cost of user acquisition, very low turn rate, right? Very, very high retention, which of course is really how Tencent makes a lot of fucking money. So again, American-centric view, honestly, I'm really, really tired of it. It's just because you're ignorant, to be honest, Node, and probably kind of dumb. It's okay. No, I, I have a pretty easy response to this. So specifically, what I was saying was profitability per user. So in your Axie Infinity example, if you look at the players in... One example. If yes, in that one example, if you look at the players in that area, they make less money than the already low amount of money that the average person makes in that area by playing Axie Infinity. That is that's public data. You can go look. Why about by the? Well, let me let me finish. Just let me finish. So, like, yes, it's true. There are more users. Like, there's more people in India than in America. And also, further clarification: I don't, I don't actually centric view i was born here and i i'm an american citizen but like i don't think we're the best at everything or or whatever i'm just sharing raw hard facts related to data with you the users in the united states per year are more profitable (laughs) it's just not go look it up but but as long as long will it stay let's be speak honestly america has over nine percent inflation 
America is fucked. They're, oh my they're, gosh. They're, no, 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 no. They're happy, they're happy to make war. America. They are happy to make war. Please let me finish. Maybe I'm wrong. This is my thoughts. I, I, I mean, cutting your thoughts as well. And I'm thinking about what you're saying, guys. I love numbers. The numbers is America is over 9% inflation. The best business they make now that they make the war in the Ukraine and they send stuff over to Polish that they go there. I'm here in Berlin. I know exactly what's going on over there. Your country, to be honest, if, if they stop to uh, act in a business with oil, gas, or how you say in America, in US dollars, US dollar will be fucked. You have yeah, a big I just problem. Say for the record, though, Node, Binance is the most successful app in, in crypto and it has zero American users because legally they can't. Way bigger than any crypto app. I have a Binance account, but I'm not going to argue too much against like American. Binance companies. US. I have both, but uh, yeah. I'm no, you're not allowed to have a Binance regular app. You know that it is illegal for you to have it. It says uh, so in the rule, in the terms. You know yeah. that. You just have one illegally then. I'm not concerned. Anyways, yeah, I'm not going to argue too much against the. Uh, the decline of American whatever, but like, you know, it's going to take well, a while. Admit that it exists. Tell you know, everyone here the one truth. One little portion of California, Silicon Valley, is the sixth largest GDP producing territory on the planet. See, it's the thing is that GDP as a measurement is a lie to begin with. And you, yeah, so you begin an argument with lies and you follow the, up with lies. Maybe you take the taxes, but you don't give a fuck about the real crypto. Look, I'm not defending the United States. You are looking at the dollar. I'm not defending the United States, guys, just to be very clear. I'm just defending data, hard facts, current. Clearly, you're defending the United States Clearly because the truth is, GDP as a measurement of output. There are ways. Of <laughs> you guys are nuts right now. Get some beer, smoke a doobie or something. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh man, you guys are funny as shit right now. All right, so we got a new third party person that just came up and raised their hand. I'm gonna let. Lysander? I hope I said that right. I probably didn't because I'm confused right now. <laughs> but let's not make us like a territorial battle because I'm I'm pr I'm proud to be American. But no, nah, I, I I do get it. <clears throat> a lot of times, uh, Americans do think that we're like the only one that exists on planet Earth, and everything does revolve around us. But I mean, I get it from both perspectives. I do think um, that crypto can um exist if like no americans were allowed to have it but i just don't think that uh the innovation um uh, i guess the innovation and it would be a, it would be a de definitely a detriment in my opinion if americans had no chance of of having access to crypto but i don't think that it would just like be dead either so i'm not going to say that point of view but go ahead uh lysander oh i um uh, yeah uh, I just wanted to contribute to the <laughs> whole American versus the rest of the world debate. But uh, I'm not American myself, but I just wanted to say that uh, one thing that America has got going for it is uh, the demography. So the rest of the Western, at least for the Western world, uh, our demography is completely fucked. Uh, but America's got a pretty good uh, demography compared to the rest of the Western world and uh, developing countries. In, in which way? Sorry, brother. I still don't get he, He's you. referring so, to the that's, that's demographics. In which way? Demographic way? This would be the, the birth country. rate? Yeah. Well, right. What he's referring to is basically, I think, the... Lysander, are you talking about the sort of like the uh, 
the age uh, difference between like the different generations. Sport. Yeah. So it's not even true, though. The US, like, for example, did you know the country that accepted the most new immigrants in the last four years combined, Germany? Germany accepted 1.5 million immigrants in 2017 alone. This, no, you know, uh, Germany's me, population is not... massively growing because of it. You know, no, refugees mass... or immigrants, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, yeah, well, no, that's not what uh, entirely he was getting at. He's, I think he was saying that there is, um, if you look at, say, for example, China and how many young there are versus the old, you yes. know, they are at risk. That's for, also like, a misnomer. You see the, that's also a misnomer. You see, the thing about East Asia is the way these countries operate, like Thailand. Thailand is a middle-income country, right, and has a very low birth rate. So no, people no, sometimes no. wonder from the outside. Let me just finish. From one, they wonder from the outside, how is it they'll ever maintain their population? The way they do it is through this thing called immigrant workers. There are tens of millions of immigrant workers, either seasonal or not seasonal, in Thailand and in Malaysia, and they're never, ever counted, ever registered. Why? Because no one ever wants to re- accept the fact that these guys will vote. They don't want to give them ID cards. They don't want to give them residency permits, right? This of course. is true, but the relative... And the same is also true of China, which has tens of millions every single year grows of itinerant workers, either from Certainly. Myanmar or from Nepal, from Vietnam. It's still, it's and these people are young. It's not enough mathematically it is oh sorry guys and interrupt you but you mexican guys yeah over four millions were saying they're in america they're all legal or what you don't forget or what even texas belongs before to mexico you forget where the american mexico has a separate years ago it was all european who was not wanted here in europe that's why they're going to america then you could all the all the indians over there you fucked all the fucking country you went even down to Eastern. <laughs> anyway, listen, listen. Let's let, get out. Let's get out of fantasy land here. What Lysander is basically bringing up is, uh, anyway, th- it just goes off the deep end here in terms of like issues of de- demographics and such. But uh, what he's saying is actually not incorrect. And what he's saying essentially is, is that if you look mathematically, there is a certain amount of time it takes for a, a child born today. All right, I'm gonna let. Seth, to get to his point, like this is going to be unproductive if every time someone has a point of view that's been patiently waiting and then they start talking and you just keep like rudely interrupting them. Whether you agree with this point of view or not, like let them speak all the way through. And then if you want to raise your hand and then add to it or disagree with it, that's completely fine. But I'm probably going to have to, I wasn't even going to do it this long anyways, but this conversation has been somewhat productive. I don't want it to turn into like me versus you or this country versus that country because we. I still wanted to. This needs to be more specifically crypto related. That's why we're doing this. But uh, you know, like Sefi's been chilling for a while, and then he starts interacting, and then you know, multiple people, multiple people are cutting him off, and it's not kind of like the way I like to roll. So, you know, if you're going to continuously cut people off, I'm just going to remove you from speaker. I don't want to do that, but it's kind of like I don't know. It's kind of what I'm going to do. So. So very briefly, the I think what uh, Lysander's point is, and the reason not to be too bearish on, let's say, the United States, uh, is because if uh, the, what he means by demographics, and you, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is hopefully a, a way to clarify this. If you have a, a certain population of, say, babies today in, the, uh, in any country, like China, wherever, 
there's a certain mathematical amount of time it takes for them to become childbearing age. This is not in dispute. You know, we're not going to have like six-year-olds having children. So therefore, mathematically, there is a max population that is achievable, even if you include the various migrant populations, et cetera, even if you have the census off by a certain amount. Point is, there's a certain max population that's available. And mathematically, when you, especially if you talk about very large countries, a China or an India, I'm sorry, India or US with, you know, like 250 million plus people, the math becomes even more because the number of people that are dying off, the number of people that are uh, being born and those that can have children. I have my hand up. Like, can I reply? Yeah, but, it, but in reference to <laughs> those mathematical certainties, even if you had a lot of migration, the migrations and, and all those other features would have to overwhelmingly be bigger than the simple math of birth rates and those problems. And I think that's what Elon and some other people have been talking about, like birth rate. Well, Elon problems. says things, he never sources any of his facts, but it should also be said that the EU, if you look at the number, that's simply the population of the last 10 years, it's gone up despite negative birth rates in most countries, right? Lithuania, Estonia, birth rates may be negative, but as a whole, the European Union's population goes up. Why? Because every single year, literally millions of people are moving to the European Union. And you say it's not sufficient to, in to increase the birth rates. The thing is, the birth rates as an actual statistic is really hard to compute, right? For one, you actually need to register people. Secondly, um, it is difficult in the European Union, right? Because each country will do it separately. So there's no one aggregated service for it. Population data is by far the most incredibly difficult data to gather accurately, right? And so, and yet, when most people try and do estimations of the European Union population, either through light survey data, just by looking at how you know, much more light is emitted or by how much more energy is being used, and things like that, indirect ways, population go up, right? Um, and it's also true in the case of, for example, China. They realize this, go to China and ask anyone who's Chinese, and especially in the Communist Party who are planning these things. And they say, why do you think we're building the Silk Road, the One Belt Initiative? It's supposed to connect us to the countries with massive populations. It's like they're building a fucking high-speed rail line into Bangladesh. Why do you think they're doing that? 170 million Bangladeshis. You think all of them have jobs? one of the youngest populations in the world. Someday, I'll, millions, tens of millions of them will be working in parts of China. And then, you know, Vietnam. You got your Pakistan. Also, uh, Pakistan is supposed to be in 20 years, 300 million people. Uh, so, you know, when you add all this together, expected population in China is supposed to be of native-born Chinese people. is supposed to go down to 1.2, maybe 1.1 billion. But, but the populations of these uh, neighboring countries, like Indonesia, 350 million. Uh, Bangladesh, what incredibly high population birth rate it has, 300 million. Population of Pakistan, 350 million in 20 years. All these neighboring countries will outnumber the Chinese, and they're all becoming allies, and they're all building these massive infrastructure projects, these countries. So this idea that birth rates are low, and we're all going to, you know, it will be a way to negatively affect GDP. It's not true because these countries, which are doing it correctly, not the United States, of course, are building infrastructure to connect all these countries together. Literally, China's entire policy the last 10 years has been to do this, right? 
And so this idea that America, Silicon Valley, one sixth of the GDP, little strip of land, GDP measurements, right? You take a loan out, GDP go up, right? You get an investment from the loan, GDP go up. You hire some people using the loan, GDP go up. You then invest your treasury into equities, right? GDP go up. GDP statistics are fucking fake. The only thing that really matters are services, materials actually being exported, and you know, basically how well people are actually doing in the country. These things are almost impossible really to measure nowadays. It's, it's incredibly difficult. And again, what I hear from these Americans is that, oh, everything is fine. We have better demographics, even though I know that China's connecting itself to literally half the population of the world, including Africa. And there are literally going to be billions of people who can work with the Chinese in their factories. And in 20 years, it'll all be connected. Like even in Montenegro, they're building a fucking gigantic highway, which was complete. The Chinese built it, paid for by the European Union. Did you know, by the way? Croatia just finished one of the longest bridges in the world, paid for by the European Union, built by the Chinese. FYI, talk about long-term planning. And yet you have the gall to come here and say the United States is fine. It's competitive. It has a low birth rate. Literally millions of people who move to it are returning after they can, right? They're not getting residency. They're not getting their passports. American law has discriminated against the millions of undocumented workers in the United States and has never issued them in any form, either residency or passports. And you think with all these things going along that it has the headwind to become the most powerful country in the world still in 20 years. This right. is complete and utter inane delusion. Right, 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 delusion right, right. of the highest order. 300 million people. The population of Nigeria right. is expected to be 400 million 30 right. years. Right. Right. All right. Let's so, let- Good, good points. Let me go because he's been. And thank you for your oh. patience. Go ahead. Hi guys, I really appreciate Hosmer on the stage. I appreciate Sefi and Jimmy giving me some demography lessons. I'm very, 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 very into learning. So I appreciate you guys teaching me what you were just teaching me over the past like ten, fifteen minutes. But I honestly just wanted to continue speaking on uh, one of the points you had made earlier about adoption for cryptography as uh, as a large use case and whether it's in financial or say what it was intended for a purpose in, in the first place, some passing messages, but finance is cool too, as long as the world adopts it. But I would think that we would need to like technically start approaching regulations as we did with voice over IP or with the OSI model and like how they approach we? The, the entire world. I think that's what that's it, that is. Because you don't see that there's uh, separate separate models for OSI in, on in China, whether it's Chinese or American. I'm speaking like by technical terms. Regulations usually have to with uh, sovereign dollars and uh, the the way that they're protecting their sovereignty. I'm not speaking about sovereignty as much as you guys have been. Not that it's not doesn't matter. I'm looking to, forward to where like where we're able to speak about the technology in a way that it's separate from the sovereign state, where there's no no regulation can do what it's doing now as in stopping people from using it because of whatever whatever the case may be it should be viewed differently the technology should be viewed differently like a cell phone like people use cell phones to buy drugs hey i need this this that this that and that but the cell phone provider the per- person who created the phone from all the way to the guy that planted the fucking cell tower to the the guy that manufactured the phone doesn't get in trouble for building none of those technologies so i don't see how 
as as of recent, I know this is not the first time this has happened, especially if you've been on the internet for tens of years, you've seen multiple developers get arrested for, for creating code or creating a program that allows in people to do things but i don't think that i don't think it's fair i think it's the same thing as building a cell phone and somebody picking up the phone one day and wanted to get a hit compared to somebody that said called their grandmother and said hey i love you grandma you know i don't think there's two differences in the uses obviously intent is but it's still a cell phone and just like how cryptography is still cryptography with or without the 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 privacy and all of that stuff i was hoping we could like figure out how to move toward coming to a world where we have a definition of cryptography in in the model that that allow us to not you pinpoint people and cause uh, 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 opposition to the state because right now what we're all going to do is like argue like how we've been doing for the past 15, 20 minutes about who's what did where built the bridge and all that like no none of that shit really matters if everybody goes to war and we all die you know what I'm saying I'm just being honest like yeah there's a bunch of I know what you're saying brother I know what you're saying. A bunch of data that goes into that stuff, you know what I'm saying? But once, say, China does take off and does what they do, and America does what they do, and Russia, it's just going to be a bunch of death, bro. And then we're just going to be sitting here watching on TV until it's our turns, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, we're all of our perspectives are outside of the the, the government, unless any of us are FBI agents. Well, if can, me, if you don't mind, I'll just quickly reply and give my quick opinion. First off, I know what you're saying, and I guess you. Being okay. sovereignless. So I, I want to say two things about cryptography. First off, for most of human history, when they had cryptography, governments had monopoly over the rights of cryptography. That's just how it, how it worked, right? Most radio bands are still, you're not able, legally speaking, to use them, right? Most hashes, for example, there was even a guy who got arrested for fucking printing a hash shirt. So this idea of cryptologists, especially amateur cryptologists, having, in, in some ways, being confronted by government oversight or government reach in trying to basically extend this incredibly innovative uh, part of, of um, you know, uh, human curiosity of how to basically make things more secret and harder to decipher. It's been a huge problem. Um, and at the same time, most hardware for cryptography is also restricted. The majority of cryptography hardware items include like, not just radios, but there are all sorts of things like systems and software where, again, only governments can access quite a lot of it, right? So for the first time, we have open source cryptography being used, though. Whether or not this guy did what he did, of course, I disagree with him being arrested. But it, we should also just point out that we are getting to a point where open source cryptography is a relatively new phenomenon. Um, to my knowledge, those who have been arrested have been arrested for uh, fraud or for money laundering. But when it came to sticking them with charges of basically using cryptography and helping, you know, nefarious actors, I don't think those charges have ever stuck. Uh, And yet in the court of law that I've seen beyond the Silk Road example, there's one guy who apparently said he worked for the Ethereum Foundation. He did travel to North Korea, right? He traveled to North Korea illegally. You're supposed to get a State Department visa, in a sense, to even go there. And he did admit to advising the North Koreans about how to use crypto, which is, in every sense of the word, completely immoral and illegal. There are very few developers who have ever really been arrested for cryptography and making it. The ones that you're referring to, which were involved in either wire fraud or simply for money laundering, you have to admit, when you look over the cases pretty carefully, that was some bad shit. 
that they were involved in. Like they're helping. Maybe they're naive, very naive, very gullible, very much lacking social senses, but they did do what they did. Right. So let's just try and separate bad actors versus just people developing and building open source uh, cryptology, which to my knowledge, you know, MIT's cryptology uh, has its own platform of how to basically license software. There's literally thousands of important pieces of software licensed open source by MIT, which anyone can use, you know, and including the U.S. government uses it sometimes. So I don't think this is really an issue that is about cryptology being open source and being uh, made legal. It's, it's not, it's not true guys. Yeah. I, I pretty much agree with that a hundred percent. You better. Yeah. Specifically <laughs> in the tornado cash case, like it seems so far, it seems likely that those devs had a core business model of some sort that profited from money laundering. We need to wait for more information, but like, and I don't like that he's arrested either, but this seems not surprising to me. Like it does seem like based on the statement so far uh, that they, they had a core business model where they were profiting off money laundering. It is interesting to note if there was no fee on tornado cash anywhere for being a relay or anything for mixing, whatever, I don't see that person being arrested. Um, I think specifically it's the fact that they have some sort of core business model uh, that profited off from the money laundering. Yeah, we were earlier when the show, when it, it just got started, actually, it, there was only a few people in there, but we were actually talking about the same point that you guys were talking about right now. <clears throat> it's not the fact that, you know, the person was arrested specifically for creating the, the code. It was that, you know, and I agree with that. Like you should, it's, it's criminal if someone was arrested just for creating a code, but it's not criminal if the person created the code and doing illicit things. Uh, one must ask, did he pay tax on any of this stuff? I mean, he, from what I've read, he's lived in the European Union long enough that he's now a resident which means if you're living there for more than 180 days, you, you do pay, you are supposed to pay taxes as a resident, permanent resident. Right. And I very much doubt that he ever did. It, it must be said, um, a lot of these people who are kind of involved in these projects kind of think they don't need to pay taxes. And I, I don't mean this to say paying taxes is a good thing. Obviously paying taxes is kind of a dick thing. I hate paying taxes, but you know, I do pay, pay my taxes. I, I try and follow the laws, but it seemed like he was just trying to basically live on the edge and he got caught because he was made famous and people, the eyeballs came up, down upon him. And so he got arrested for it. Well, they, they also made a number of mistakes, right? Like this, come on guys, this, this isn't a surprise that happened. There are other mixers who the founders have been arrested, charged with, or well, pursued, um, in investigations for similar potential charges and stuff like that, right? So, like, he had a they all the tornado cash people had a very long time to uh, figure out how to not actually be in trouble. And I think the key thing there would have been just not taking money from it in any in any way, really. Like, yeah. Well, I I don't think it's fair to blame someone for uh, not having enough time to figure it out. They had whether or not time. <laughs> they they mm. had years. I mean, when was years? Yeah, I don't think tornado cash is metal. 
go look back at the history of Mixer. The CEOs of Mixer. Oh, the Mixer's not. I thought it was the history of Tornado Catch. Jesus Christ. History well, of Mixers. Yeah, I mean, they, the signs were there that the, the government governments in general would not be pleased with if you're running a mixing business and profiting so off from- So he should go to jail because he didn't look at the no. history of mixtures. I mean, no. the reason why, if he does go to jail is because in my opinion, if he was profiting off and didn't pay taxes, now this may sound overly American because you know, obviously Al Capone went to jail because he didn't pay taxes. But in my opinion, the fine line is you do something that is open source and for everyone in the world. It doesn't mean that you yourself personally can't follow the, the laws in your own local, right? If you're making something that people can use, sure. Like, for example, there's a very famous quote about um, the Wright brothers. Uh, the Wright, the Orson Wright, he uh, lived until 1946, if I'm not mistaken. So, so he lived until World War II and he actually witnessed uh, many of his inventions basically killing millions of people, right? And someone asked him, I said, do you ever regret inventing uh, the plane? He said, no, I don't regret inventing the airplane, but it also must be said the airplane has contributed to death all around the world. But at the same time, it is better that we look at it this way, where an airplane is like a fire. And so that we can observe the fire and try and control it, it is better that we know how the fire was made and then put it out than not know, right? And that, for, for me, is kind of the, the way that Tornado Cash and most of these mixtures kind of exist in, in their own vacuum. Right. Where it's better that we watch it grow as an industry. But yes, just because you're watching it and you help make it, believe me, Mr. Wright, I think he was paying his motherfucking taxes. <laughs> Look, uh, just to clarify, I don't think he should go to jail just because he didn't research blah, blah, etc. Right. Like, but. I do think, especially considering they had a token that went down a ton because of, of mistakes made by those founders, that it was irresponsible for them not to look at the history of mixers and other services. This this stuff goes back to like so 20 years. Because he's irresponsible? Agree. I just said he was irresponsible. I'm not saying it. Like, please just take my words in good faith. Like, I'm not saying more than what I'm saying. I'll, I'll clarify. I'm kind of confused, though. Why do you think he... I'm confused. Did he do something illegal or something immoral? That's what I'm confused about. I personally believe that he did something immoral, but I know that he did something illegal. So right? I'm not going to say he did something immoral, but I do think it was irresponsible. That's the word I'm going to stick with. I think it was irresponsible. Uh, the torn holders are pretty hurt by these events, and I don't think these events would have played out like this. Uh, it wouldn't have been this severe uh, if there were certain mistakes that weren't made, in my opinion. I guess we'll have to wait to see for more actual facts to come out. Um, I don't know for a fact that the devs had a core business model that profited. I'm just going based on some of the statements in, in these documents, um, like wh where they claim that they profited greatly off from this laundered money. I don't know how they did, but I, I do assume it has to relate to a core business model for the Torn company or, and or devs. I don't, I don't know how else they would be funding it unless it, you know, it was from the- I, I do want to point out, though, I think the issue of court documents is this. I, in my opinion, it is extremely unlikely that he will see a court date in the Netherlands. He will most likely be extradited to the United States. Right. Um, yep. And what I would want to see is really the Department of Justice subpoena of what they're trying to find. It will come out. Um, most of these guys, no matter what country they're in, by the way, if they're big enough, uh, they do eventually get extradited. 
it'll take a long time though to get to that point. First off, he has to go through the extradition process, and he's going to claim like everyone else that he's going to get, um, uh, you know, peanut butter up his bottom, and he has to eat it. Uh, in the United States jails, he might go to a supermax jail, for example, and that's you know a violation of human rights. Whatever it is, would, would he really course- go to supermax instead of like a like a pretty tame one that was just highly secured? Believe me, if you go to a judge, if, if, okay, he chooses a jury trial, which should be fucking stupid, man. But if he chose a jury trial, and the prosecutor's like, North Korea made money off this guy. What do you think the jury's going to do to him, dude? You think they're going to give him five years? Look, I, I'm. My question was just about where he would go, but we don't need to. I, I don't. I don't need to. Believe me. We well, the rules are over fifteen years. You can't go to a minimum security prison anymore. It's but uh, there's ba- prisons yeah. that they go to. Just like uh, I, I've never been to a federal prison, so I don't know. But wouldn't it be like a, a, a prison? And wouldn't it probably not be surrounded by criminals? Uh no, that's not, not how it works. So there's minimum, uh, low, medium. And high, and then of course there's supermax, which is irrelevant because he's not going to do that. Um, basically, minimum is uh, you know people like uh, you know Bernie Madoff. Uh, the thing about Bernie is is that uh, he kind of accepted the plea in a way, and uh, he was really old too, so they kind of let him off. Uh, he did go to jail. He's going to go to jail for the rest of his life, though, pretty much. Um, but for minimum, uh, if just watch a video about any guy who's in minimum. People get raped. People get shanked all the time. It's actually more common in minimum. The reason why is is because uh, the dorm system is so huge. So in max, um, someone might only be what they call single-celled, right? It's really hard to get to a guy when they're single-celled, especially in the SHU, the security housing unit. Um, but in minimum, which is actually how the, sh- the, the film um, uh, Shot Caller starts, the guy goes to minimum. It's a dorm system of between 25. It can be upwards of 150. It really depends on the, on the prison. Um, and because it's a dorm, there are basically, there's no security guards, right? So security, the, the corrections officer, the COs, um, they actually may patrol two rooms of each being maybe 50 people. So they may not even be there for six hours during their shift. And so the shankings and things like that occur mostly in those types of situations. And the real reason is because um, in the minimums, a lot of first time offenders are sent to minimums. These are really young guys. They don't have respect for anything. Most of the people who join the brand, the Aryan Brotherhood and such, uh, basically prison gangs like that, super young. A lot of them get in for assaults. A lot of them get in for drugs. They then commit crime in minimum. And then they're pushed up until uh, up into uh, me- medium and high, right? So the vast majority of crimes occur in minimum, right? Um, and so minimum security federal pr- prison is nothing to joke about. It is extraordinarily dangerous. Extraordinarily dangerous. Fair enough. All right, guys. If anyone has any last points, because we definitely derailed. I just don't uh, drop soap. <laughs> I know. I don't drop. Soaps for sure. Let me tell you about in the soap though. If you do <laughs> drop the soap, let it float away. Go buy a new soap. No one wants to see a Peter Puffer. Okay? No one wants to oh, see a Peter Gaither. They're not no one wants someone gazing at your junk, okay? Yeah, exactly. I have a I have a final question. So in this tornado cash stuff, how do you think that the crypto industry will respond when it comes to uh compliance, let's say? 
where do you think they'll stop? So the first part, of course, has been happening for a while, blocking addresses from the front end that are on the OFAC list. Do you think some DAP or DAPs will decide to block OFAC list addresses in the protocol as well? Or do you think they'll go further than that? Where do you think the line is? I think, honestly, we have a bunch of laydowns and everybody that wants to be funded, whether it's in America or anywhere, they're going to lay down and roll over and do whatever the the regulators say to do. There's no question about it. If they're looking for VC funds, if they're uh, not about an actual purpose, they're going to accept funds and, and say, okay, well, why would I deal with this problem compared to losing maybe a thousand users that want to do this compared to, you know, a million users that if my chain scales successfully, we can continue building more on top of it and creating more utility. They're not going to be like, oh yeah, let's just keep on doing this for decentralization. Decentralization is just a coin term and it hasn't meant anything unless the we, if it meant something, then Digibyte would still be a coin right now. Everybody would be one. You know what I'm saying? People would be looking at UTXOs like, oh, I, don't, I need to find out where, which chain is just going hard. Like Bitcoin maybe could be the most, nah, I'm not going to say it. But yeah, I think they'll roll over and lie down. Well, I, I, I will respond this way. The majority of the market cap uh, of crypto is obviously Ethereum and Bitcoin. It's hard to imagine Bitcoin-related project stuff having to ban stuff. Right. And and as well, uh, in terms of ETH, um, majority of the ETH projects will ban it. Once you combine the market cap of ETH and its related dApps, um, they will, if they're attacked, if, if they feel that they're going to be attacked directly by these regulations, uh, they will certainly deploy their legal resources. I'm sure the Ethereum Foundation has a, a lot of money on the side of the treasury somewhere it, for this. Um, so where do you think it, the line is, though? I don't mean to cut you off. I'm just curious, like, where... Um, the other answer also didn't say where they think the line is. And I, I'm honestly curious. Well, the thing about the line is it constantly shifts depending on the eyeballs. It really depends on how much the DOJ needs some cases, right? They're trying to find easy prosecutions. And in truth, some guy who's not even a citizen of the European Union country is going to be extradited to the United States at some point. He's kind of an easy guy to get to, right? But if you're going to take down an entire protocol, which has never happened in their case, right? DOJ has never actually tried to attempt to take down an entire protocol. The SEC's case against XRP is completely different. What That's about, where the lines would be brought, What about brought, Tornado brought. Cash? That's if we want to call Tornado Cash a protocol. I think this is the closest that we we could. Well, I hope this is the closest we would see to trying to take it down. What they're, they know they can't actually remove Tornado Cash, but they can destroy the anonymity sets. Uh, benefits or at least degrade well you know very well that they tried to do that with nerds bounties to decrypt it and so forth um for me i think that uh they're just trying to signal to the rest of the world the fbi and the sec and the doj are tired of spending resources trying to follow up on these hacks trying to follow up on north korea terror financing where they're getting crypto from tornado cash and they're basically trying to say if you don't start self-regulating and start creating some safeguards to stop North Korea from basically getting this money, we're going to come after you. Yeah, and I, I think that the Web3 ecosystem is going to try and adapt to it, right? There will, so, for example, Cardano, and Charles Hossinson recently tested in Congress about this, they actually acquired a chain analytics uh, company, right? It's a forensics company 
and it will support them in case someday Cardano is used nefariously, right? Um, I would expect that these types of forensics uh, projects are going to be acquired tooth and nail by all the layer twos in the future, and they're going to be doing heavy, heavy forensics on a day-to-day basis. Also, it must be said that uh, um, on-chain analysis is getting a lot better. I mean, compared to like two years ago, it was a fucking joke. Now, now though, you can really isolate uh, addresses. And so I would expect that the, the safeguards to kind of self-regulate, and not really self-regulate, but in ways kind of self-police, it's, uh, it, I guess we could say is this. This example of Tornado Cash is really a way of saying, hey, crypto, don't be weak. Don't be weak sauce. If you think that you're really good at figuring stuff out, figure this problem out, or we're just going to start arresting people for no reason. Exactly. Don't I be a bitch. Well, you know, think- and, and also, I just really, quote, really quickly want to say, if people are asking me, because people are asking me in DMs right now, I'm very tired of it. If Jimmy was cracking heads or getting his cheeks busted, let me just say this. Jimmy was busting cheeks, but he didn't get his own cheeks busted in prison. So my takeaway was a little different. I do think that they're sending a message, but uh, the message I got is, is a little different. Um, Tornado Cash focused exclusively on transactional privacy. And if they would have had computational privacy, there would have been less data uh, if done right. There would have been less data to even prove a case related to how much uh, goes into that system. Um, This is not meant to like circumvent the government inherently, but like, you know, something different could be created on on a network. Well, there are many different services Uh, like Secret Network has a completely different way of doing it. Right. Um, Mixing services. Are they really that good versus something like Monero? It must be said that all the mixing service does is it puts some money into liquidity pool and then buys and sells and buys and sells until it basically tries to hide the trail, right? Um, yep. But there are many other ways of doing this. Actually, honestly, many of the other ways are way better than Tornado Cash. It's just that Tornado Cash is a really good name, I feel, yep. and people kind of like, like using it. But the thing is, is that most people who've used Tornado Cash, uh, it must be said, they know who used it. They just can't get to them. They're in another country uh, surrounded by an army somewhere. It's hard to basically arrest those people. They're not, it's not that secret. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I think the better, the better path that, that people could go down than laying down over and over and over again is actually solving for privacy uh, or using privacy solutions that, that solve like for like Monero, but Monero doesn't have computational privacy. So That's like- true, but it should be said, one of the problems with Tornado Cash was it was really quite ridiculous. There's some months ago where there was a hack. 80% of the transactions of Tornado Cash in four days were from the same person. Because there's yeah. no liquidity anymore. They hacked and were pushing so much into Tornado Cash, there simply wasn't enough buyers. So they actually they, they suffered slippage fees of very high amounts. Someone should talk to them about that. Don't pay high slippage fees, North Korea. Figure that. Well, if you that, want I mean, to, call me. I mean, if they want to pay high slippage fees, it's it's uh, if you're if you're actually thinking about money laundering the business in general, right? Like you pay a high fee to wash it. If if North Korea just has programmer slaves that are stealing from bridges and whatnot, then uh, who who cares if they even pay a fifty percent premium? They just want the money. That that is true, but I think it was more to the issue that Tornado Cash. Um, what I'm trying to say is this. Actually, to be honest, guys, Tornado Cash did everyone a favor. 
because if it wasn't for Tornado Cash and the other protocols like it, they would have been using Monero. It would have been giving Monero an even worse name than it has. So and they would have been using exchanges and even perhaps DeFi projects and would have given bad names to those projects. So honestly, I'm actually happy that this happened. So because what, all that happened is that this one dude who's not even a European Union citizen got the lightning rod stuck up his ass and he's going to get his cheeks busted. Yeah, but so so you're it did a good thing. I get I get the line of thinking you have, but what now? Like without without that as well, chain on chain forensics analytics improve the systems, figure out ways that bots can stop this from happening in a more automated fashion, um, and also the hacks themselves, guys. It must be said the yeah. one reason we've been profiting so much and causing all these issues is because security across the board in crypto yep. is a fucking joke. I mean, for example, the Harmony Horizon hack, it was five, uh, uh, five, right, it was five signatories. And I believe that two people were actually three signatories. The Ronin hack, which apparently was North Korea, it was seven signatories. The core team had three of them. The DAO had three of them. And some project had one. And so they got the three because they were able to figure out Ronin's own uh, uh, keys. And then they were able to get one of the keys from the DAO. Yeah. And so kind of a joke. So anyway, the point is that first off, in crypto, the programming languages are slowly changing so that it's much harder to do hacks. Secondly, uh, the projects that are getting hacked are also projects that are very poorly managed. And it's kind of like natural selection. The weak sperm die because they're slow at moving when they go through the vagina. That's kind of the situation a lot of these projects are in, right? Is because they're just incompetent. In a year or two, you cannot survive Web3 in a year or two if you are, if you are incompetent. The number of hacks will go down substantially. It just takes time. Most of these projects that got hacked, by the way, are relatively new. Axe Infinity, 2019, really got going 2020, right? Harmony, 2019, really got going 2020. So they didn't have a lot of understanding about how vulnerable they were. Bitcoin community people, they're like, oh, we've been involved in since 2012. We know a lot about security. That's just not how a lot of people are operating right now. But they're realizing it, though, right now. They're realizing they can lose everything if they're not on the ball. Right. And if they aren't on the ball, they could get their cheeks busted. Uh, on the IBC, IBC. I, I do have Cosmos. I want to say something about Cosmos. Cosmos is where it's at. Cosmos by far has, first off, Rust. Name me a Rust hack. Someone in the audience, someone tell me how much money was sent from an IBC compatible chain, you know, and, and went over to North Korea. I would like to know. Someone come here and try and tell me. Almost every single hack has occurred in DeFi projects on Solidity-based languages on an ETH compatible chain, right? Right? So well, that's the truth is, Cosmos is the future. Cosmos and only Cosmos. I'm a Cosmos NXE. And if you don't like Adam, you can go get your cheeks busted. I, I do have some concerns about IBC. Um, but I'm going to bust your cheeks, dude. Well, <laughs> my right, concerns dude, about I like IBC and I want We can do this the easy way or we can do this a hard way. Choice let's, is yours. Let's, let's, do, let's do this like little proposition here and then let's end it on that note. But go ahead. All right, let's let's point. Point. So my concerns on IBC are pretty simple, right? Like every now and then you see a relay go down and users on a network are like, oh, 
osmosis is down or, you know, this is down when it comes to, to using the bridge. But you don't have that same experience with the networks themselves. I mean, some of these networks are halting and, and whatnot due to various bugs. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely not as commonplace as a, a bridge go or as a relay going down. And I know that another relay can pop up and, you know, stuff like that. But um, I, I do think IBC needs to be more censorship resistant than one person running a relay and then that node goes down for some reason and they're down uh and it's just thorchain by chance have i heard it sounds like he wants to do it the hard way thorchain thorchain yeah so the way that thorchain does it i mean it'd be very hard to hack thorchain they use liquidity pools basically send money trustlessly in a natively integrated way right the problem with bridges is the idea of a bridge is ridiculous to begin with right it's held in vaults where these vaults are and how they're managed is kind of an open question and the truth is this whole system was designed in 2016 probably because they didn't have any better way of coming up with it but you see there's a completely different system again thor chain is a very good example of another way of basically building out that system it's far more it's far more secure uh if i'm trying to figure out how thor chain could get hacked if someone could tell me because they have their own chain, their own nodes, and there's no vaults. Everything is held in liquidity pools, so you need to attack the liquidity pools, and those liquidity pools have their own nodes and validators and stuff and so forth. It would be very hard. Well, right? I'm not suggesting that IBC, I have a concern with IBC about it getting hacked. That's not what I was suggesting. Concern in censorship resistant, right? the resistance, right? If there was an attack on IBC from governments or whatever, well, if, well if, that's what I was trying to say. Thorchain has even, you know, made that very clear. It would require the majority of the validators to have to agree to that. And from what I can see, especially in the Cosmos space, the majority of validators, uh, if they are in the United States, which I don't think they are, they would not agree, right? They would not agree to it, and they are under no obligation to ever follow anything from the DOJ. It, this, the, 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 the networks on IBC are really decentralized versus most ETH projects. There are, you know, each of the subnets on Avalanche probably have more validators uh, than most yeah. of the uh, EVM compatible chains out there. Um, for example, uh, Harmony has, you know, 100 trusted validators, right? The problem is the majority of the coins are held on exchanges like Binance and KuCoin, and they don't even involve themselves in the consensus mechanism. They don't vote, right? That's a huge issue. I can tell you right now, though, that's not an issue for Adam. Majority yeah. of Adam is used. So Staking, voting. My, I guess my concern is just, you know, I, I think it should be more censorship resistant. It's not a concern that I think it's not going to, IBC isn't viable. Well, that's anymore. a community issue, you know? I mean... I, if you bring this up to the community, which you can, by the way, there are forms you can bring this up in, and you ask this question, you'll get a very long response by, I would expect, hundreds of users in the community explaining what they want to do and how they want to do it, what proposition they're going to bring up. They're working with some people to do this with this proposition. If you can vote for this, please vote for my proposal. This yeah, is a community, it's a very dynamic community. And so this, there is a way. There's a way to resolve it. It's just it's not resolved right now, which is why I currently have a concern. But this I, is the I way decentralization works. It takes time. It takes consensus. Yep. Uh, it also requires IBC to be more mature than it is right now. Uh, and we it are in the early phase of IBC. 
Yeah, IBC is still pretty premature, to be honest. That's why I don't find that as much of a concern. I think right now that the validators and the people that are transacting and relaying are are well in the know of these things. So they, they probably pay a lot of attention and try to keep the nodes running as much as possible and, you know, avoid any going offline. But right now, to avoid any kind of flaws that will cause vulnerabilities and, like, you know, whatever, whatever, I would... I'd, I'd appreciate it if things were to stay the way they are until they figured out exactly how to scale IBC without causing, you know, a new exploit to come up. Right. Again, my, my point isn't on exploits. It's about availability, right? Like you can censor uh, a re- you can censor a channel by targeting one, uh, and there can pop up more channels, etc. There is some light dev work that's required to make that stuff work, where the other channel worked previously or whatever, but yeah, just the ability to disrupt the system is what makes me uncomfortable. But I do acknowledge that it's still pretty damn early days for us. It should be said that on chain, on the protocol level in IBC, relayers are incentivized, right? But it should also be said that going back to kind of the original points, one of the really key topics of discussion, um, you know, this guy will get his cheeks busted and he will have to start eating peanut butter in prison. You know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is not really called peanut butter and jelly for a sandwich in prison. It's called a jelly, je, peanut butter and, and ass sandwich. So he's going to be eating a lot of je, peanut butter and ass sandwiches in prison. Who is? He's talking about the, the tornado cash. The tornado cash guy. Oh, okay. But, yeah. But um, we had Ruben, if you had anything to add before we end the show, because I've been going for five, what is it? Five hours almost? That's nothing. I've done shows for for 49 hours. I know. I know. You're a grinder too. I just, I need, I got so much shit to do. If I don't get it It done today. It mostly involves me telling people that I'm going (laughs) to call them out. If I don't get it done today, then it's going to ruin the rest of my crypto week. So I like to get all my shit done on Sunday so I don't have to do any grown up stuff during the week. But what's up, Ruben? Hey, fam. I just came up to ask as to um, what time. Or perhaps, um, what with what to what scope, frequency, and scale uh, does Jimmy plan to uh, clap? Uh, sorry, bust nodes' cheeks. Right. So I would say this: um, if Node continues to believe that IBC has issues and that Adam is not the best token out there, and that this community isn't the strongest community, I will uh, arrange a proposition and proposal on the cosmos forms to go out and use treasury resources to find node and bust his cheeks all right, all right. <laughs> cosmos Haas, I'm, I'm not going to get into the militia but there will be a militia proposal in response to this nice i like that no but for on, on the real though like i always say it this know, is real yeah the people in this space that are in this space right now actually just listening in or whatever they obviously understand what's going on so we're gonna make it. In a way, I you know it's not financial advice, but it is financial advice, I guess. That if if crypto is gonna make it, we're all gonna be here, you know, because we're the ones building all this shit. I seen people outside this space; they just have no clue like what's going on. I I seen some random tweet, and that, the person was talking about dude shipping in use of three percent. Yeah, like this this guy had a proposal, or he had some sort of tweet talking about how active. I don't know what pr- protocol it was, but it wasn't an IBC. And it was just like, 
like Jack and a couple of other people replied back to it and just started laughing because it's like, like you know how active our governance is. Oh, you can like, I don't even know what proposal we're at on osmosis now. Like it's a joke. Like there's so many and, and the turnout is so good on all these chains. So um, we're, we're working on it. And then as for your like relayer point, it, it'll get there. Um, I know what you're Yeah, there's a new update coming apparently. Cosmos SDK update coming soon to enable rewarding for relaying. And you can relay with it even without running validators or, or nodes. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I would like to just hang on that one for a while. Yeah, but it'll get there, man. Like, like we'll be able to, because we, we we believe in Cosmos, like, we'll be able to run our relayer just because we want three years to do the merge. Yeah. Yeah, Ethereum's pretty slow. It's going to take me a few months to bust no cheeks. <laughs> so jimmy last question for you do you think ethereum it's it's still worth it for you in your eyes ethereum the token or ethereum yeah the, no, the, what token. I, the yeah. token just specifically the token. ah uh, that's complicated isn't it i i would say this to be honest they've manufactured their own tokenomics such that it is likely the ethereum token will someday be larger in market cap than the bitcoin token now it doesn't mean that it's more decentralized before no it does not mean that they have sacrificed a lot of what it meant to be Web3 to increase the value of their token and to improve the tokenomics. But it doesn't mean that it's not a cash grab, which it is. This is, in essence, uh, the merge is a cash grab by the existing members of the Ethereum Foundation to retire, to focus on all the infrastructure upgrades and allow that to be done by the layer twos and to make sure that they can live for the rest of their lives uh, with a system whereby just by staking their existing or remaining ETH tokens, they can live happily ever after. So the ETH token will be fine, but in my opinion, it basically forfeits so much of Web3. It's not just decentralization, but it's also this, this, this idea of transparency and how to manage this. I mean, let's be honest, guys. All this was done just by the foundation. The foundation of the Ethereum, you know, the Ethereum Foundation also backed all these roll-ups and how they're doing stuff too. Then tokenomics, the white paper, everything. And the, they say the validators are their form of decentralization, but this idea that validators are people is kind of ridiculous in my opinion. There was no vote. There was no community agreement. But everyone's going to go along with it because they're going to think that they're going to they're make money if they go along with it. And you know what, man? They might. It just It's a step backwards for Web3. That's my opinion. It's a shame. It's a shame that it has to be, you know, forced down our throats like this. Um, I have to admit, of all the, the ills that the Bitcoin community has, has created, the toxicity and the, the problems, at least they had a level of dialogue where they maintained many of the core goals of Bitcoin, right? Unfortunately, the ETH 2.0 system, uh, <laughs> it's like they found some shitcoin proof of stake model, figured out how to layer the existing model, slap the two together, and now it's going to be called Ethereum 2.0. It's just the best way, way of making money quickly. And that's, that, that's, that's, what, that's how life is, though. Follow the money. Yeah, I agree with that, for sure. All right, well, that's a good but point. But busting nodes cheeks later. Yeah. Busting nodes cheeks. Hey, man, I just want to uh, shout out everyone that stopped by on Sunday and just kind of chilled out, man. It was a good space. We talked about all kinds of shit, including uh, gel and max security and minimum security. And it's actually un more unsafe to be in the lower scale. 
because you're gonna get shanked and your cheeks are gonna get clapped. Yeah, because the dorms are huge and there's basically <laughs> no CEOs. Yeah. Yeah, man. Let me just tell you, the leaders of the of the Aryan Brotherhood, they none of them were ever killed by anyone. Because they're in were in solitary the entire time. You couldn't even get to them. Hey, have you really been to jail? In prison? For sure, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just wondering. I, I was in bed for 15 years and I got I had to eat peanut butter and ass sandwiches all day. <laughs> <laughs> Wild. All right, fellas, man, it's been a pleasure chilling out with you guys and good good talks, man. And, you know, my DMs are always open if anyone ever needs anything. Thanks, Jimmy, and everyone else that stopped by, Tricky, me, Node, everyone else listening. Thanks, Finn, for recording this. This will probably be a legendary recording years from now, hopefully. So, all right, everyone, take care. All right, you too, bro. Later. Everybody protect your cheeks from Jimmy. <laughs> Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part two of the two-part Cosmos Potluck Open Mic, hosted by Cosmos Haas, recorded on Sunday, August 14th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Watching these debates like what a bunch of noise when the illusion of choice outmaneuvers your voices. No one really knows what the fuck is going on here. Sitting in the bunker, waiting for the all clear. It's like we're getting steered towards the motherfucking iceberg. Captain all drunk deciphering where the ice lurks. And we thought 2020 was gonna be a nice year. Living with the plague like who brought the mice here? Try to think of it as another simulation. Game full of bugs but it's still fun to play. It's like we're aliens beta testing earth. Digging in the dirt, trying to earn a little girth. The beast is silent when it defeats the riders. Living outside, trying to meet this virus. If you want to watch it all burn from the sky rise, delete the science and increase the righteous. Living like a jerk, return to feed the worms. Vibing like a tree, just breathing out the words. Be careful outside, then police is violent. Feeling like I finally earned some peace and quiet. piece of pie first trying to be the fat kid you least admire feast of fire when the beasts of burden are getting all bored but at least we're certain we found the imposter living among us fussing with hunches another big chungus bludgeon don't worry the fungus will clean up the guts and get us to function on fleeting assumptions i see through the rust from rush to rush hour stacked up like a bunch of junk so hush your muck before we stuff your luck and break your fucking neck to this like bust a bust Bleeding impulsive, the meeting controls it When breathing corrosive, no eating the bullshit Feeling the worth like it's gonna be a good year Now we're all tired, stop treading on the work here
Spaces.